Welcome to the Bros Who Think Podcast, starring your host, Mr. Lyndon Burton, and his co-host, Adam Schubert, Julian Navarre, and Doom. This week's special guest is none other than Jay Sand. Look, Lyndon, we got a lot to get into this week, brother. So, whenever you're ready, take it away. Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Bros Who Think Podcast. My name is Lyndon Burton, a.k.a. Youngboy DeWitts, a.k.a. The People's Champ, a.k.a. Beard <laughs> Gang is in the motherfucking building. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 119, and I'm joined, as always, my guy back from, well, he was here part of last week. He was like, he was like here for the sports part, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schubert Chuby. How you doing today, brother? Yeah, man. Well, I was around to talk some NBA. Yeah, you, no, I was, you were here for, for the most part. Also joining us, as always, from you guys met him last week, returning guest host, Mr. Doom. Doom, how you doing, my brother? What up? What up? I'm good, man. Cool, and that's what's up. That's what's up. You guys had a, yeah, y'all had a decent week? Yes, yeah, sir. man. Halloween that's, week. Yeah, it is Halloween week. Yo, y'all, went, y'all dressing up tomorrow? What's up? I, I got something. What you dressing up? Which what you doing? You seen Fairly Odd Parents? Y'all both seen that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chip Skylark. Oh, that's okay. what's up. That's pretty yeah. litty. You gonna sing the teeth song? Oh yeah. Okay, okay. What's the what? Uh, I know you're going with someone. I know the viewers don't know this. What's she dressing up as? Vicky? Uh, no, no. I'm not in a couple, so I'm not doing a couple. Oh, costumes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. You right. You right. You did. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm, I'm going with um. With some people that are also going as like other Nick tunes. Okay, okay, that's so what's like. There's a cat dog, you know. There's like a, a Danny Phantom, which was my second choice. I'm mad that they took it. Okay, but, uh, real. Chip Sky, yeah, you, enjoy yourself tomorrow, Shuby. Um, doing what you doing, my brother? You I'm, out in I'm, Vegas, yo? Yeah, I'm. I'm sitting the the Halloween costume thing out, man. I'm okay. good on it this year. You're not going party though, in in, in nah, uh, nah, man. In, in the uh, the city of uh, city of uh sin, sin city. <laughs> nah, I'm I'm sitting out, man. <laughs> that, that that was me last year, man. These weekday Halloweens are just not cool. The yeah. most the most I'll do tomorrow is go watch Chris's Chris and Fade show at uh the green room. So if you're in Lafayette, then they didn't even ask me to plug this, but that's just what I literally might do. So if y'all are in the Lafayette area, go to the green room tomorrow night. Chris, uh, Fade, I believe. Mike, Mike P is also performed. There's like a whole show is put on by Paulie Steve. Shout out to Paulie. So that's that's probably what I'm gonna do tomorrow because my girl got work, so I'm not about to go to no party and nothing like that. Plus, I gotta fucking do all this content shit. Got some stuff to prepare for. But also joining us later in the show, we have two special guests coming on for this week. Uh, the main interview for this week is with artist Jay Sands. Uh, he is an artist from Lafayette, Louisiana, and he is now in, at Xavier University. One of the uh, one of the better rappers from Lafayette. Like he's probably in, in my top group. Shout out to Jay Sand. But super excited to talk to him about everything going on. Ebro Ebro noticed him. Uh, Schoolboy Q shouted him out. Uh, Missy Elliott. So homie makes great music, and I'm super excited to talk to him about his career and everything going on. It's funny enough, Charles actually showed me, listen to this, I, I was like, 
looking for interviews from uh, rappers in Latin Lafayette in the surrounding Louisiana, even Houston, uh, Mississippi, just in the in the South in general. And Charles was like, "Yo, Lennon, you heard of this dude?" And I was like, "What you talking about, bro? Where, where is he from? He's from Baton Rouge." He was like, "No, nah, he's from Lafayette." I was like, "Lafayette? You telling me, nigga? I ain't not, I know the little rappers in Lafayette." And I was like, "Who is Charles showing me? Who's this?" Who's this, who's this clown about to be? Because, you know, it's fucking Charles. Like, I love Charles and everything, but, you know, when I when Charles sends me music, I think of a certain way already, like, and that's no disrespect to Charles because Charles has great taste in music. Uh, that's just that's just me and his relationship. So, I'm like, who is Charles about to send me? I checked this dude's video. Yo, one of the coldest spitters out here. Doom, you may know him. He runs he runs with uh, Lamont and all them and, and never yeah, died. Yeah, I've seen him on Twitter. I see when uh, School Bar Q, like, quote mentioned him and all that and that's how i got on to him yeah and i didn't even realize he's from lafayette until krista told me and then i was like oh shit dude dude can spit straight from lafayette homie can spit and the thing that i that tripped me out which we'll talk about in the interview is he he the video that out that that me and doom is talking about he was freestyling and it seemed like he was freestyling with a whole bunch of with a click of, with, a, with a click of niggas but it turns out Every person that rapped was him. He was rapping against himself and then responding to himself. The concept of the video is amazing. We'll talk about that in the interview, but coming up later. I got a rap question. What's up? All right. Have you all listened or seen the the Netflix show with Cardi B and all that rhythm and flow? You yes, know. I have. Yeah, Do you guys yes. think any of those people can rap? Um, Not as good as I was expecting. There's a yeah. couple of them that's talented, but it's not what I was expecting. There definitely are some good ones they, on there. But like, yeah, I was like, it's kind of whack. <laughs> like the dude who won, no disrespect to him. Shout out to him. But like, I don't know. And then I felt like Chance was being chancy. Like if it's not Christian, he ain't fucking with it. And I'm like, yo, what, yeah. what, what's going on with this show? Bro, no lie. I made it two episodes in and I was like, all right, I'm done with this. I can't. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even go as far as what Linda's talking about. I didn't even see Chance. I was just <laughs> like, eh. <laughs> I got four or five deep. Like me and my girlfriend watched it one night, but like I, I haven't watched it since, and I didn't fucking finish it. So, but yeah, man. Uh, so later in the show, we got Jay Sands interview also joining us for uh Bros Who Binge. I mean, not Bros Who Binge, Bros Who Ball, the sports segment. At the end, not only is Julian joining us, but we we'll, we have a sit down with Brian Bienemy. So that's gonna be pretty dope. Talking all things New Orleans sports. Super excited to have him on the pod once again. But. Let's get into things, man. Look, Doom hit me up. He, he hit me up on in the message. He was like, yo, bro, niggas going to be upset about my Kanye take. So, look, this is what we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss Jesus is King as well as his interviews. Doom, I actually listened to it because I know I told people I wasn't going to listen to it. And I didn't listen to it until today because I was like, look, I'm only going to listen to this one time for the fans just so me and Doom can have enlightening conversation. So mm-hmm. I want to get I want to get your thoughts first. What did you think of the album? And we'll talk about the interview separate. But I definitely think the interview affects kind of how I feel about the album as well. So but we'll get to all of that. So just th- this is going to kind of be contradicting, but just as a, a body of work. I don't think it's even close to his best body of work, but what the body of work stands for is what I'm with. Okay. And not not even on the religious tip so much, but it's just like what he's doing with his career, with his life. I'm all for that. And that's that's what I'm a, I'm a defend Kanye. Like I was telling you in the message, like I'm with what he's doing, even though everybody is. I don't know. They they hating on him right now. He getting a lot of. A lot of shit, but I'm with Kanye 100%. The the music for me, I thought the beats, the choirs, I thought 
everything that wasn't him, and I know I'm I'm sure he probably messed, made some of the beats and, and sampled and did most of that. But everything that wasn't him rapping, I kind of enjoyed. Like if I'm gonna be perfectly honest, when I hear when I hear him talking about Sundays, chicks we close on we close on Sundays like Chick Fil A, and then he's screaming Chick Fil A before the next song. I'm like. Yo, kind of, Lecrae didn't rap all these years for gospel just for you to take them and put him put put the gospel rap far back, bro. Like, come on, fam, what are you doing? And like, it was cool having Eclipse, Kenny G, but like you said, Doom, I don't, I this is nowhere near his best body of work. I don't, I don't know. As of now, it's it's in last place for me. But take that with a grain of salt because I didn't listen to Ye, and I know a lot of people said Ye was was worse than this, so. His last two projects have been subpar, to say the least. And this is where we get into the interview, because for me, it's like, I can't say whether or not, because we talked about this last week, I can't say whether or not his religious tip is real. But from what you're saying in these interviews makes me question everything. So first off, it's a tax break. Like we said, he's doing this, starting a church, getting a tax break. He, he built fact, he built his factory in Wyoming, getting a tax break. So off rip. That's why he's talking to Donald Trump. But on top of that, which really upsets me because <clears throat> it feels like he made this album. I don't want to say because he because he, I can't question his religious belief. I, I don't want to say that. But I felt like he made it because he wanted to reconnect with black audiences because he said he felt that he messed up to us. But at the same time, it's like, how do I keep the black audience and the middle class American white audience that I'm getting because of Donald Trump's fandom? That... And he, you go to Jesus. He said it himself, the Bible Belt. The, the, people turn to tell me, you, you can't like Christ. You're Kanye. Nobody's telling you you can't like Christ. Nobody's telling you you can't like Trump. The thing people are telling you is you're trying to piss on us and tell us it's rain. Like, I ain't for that shit. My thing is this. If you're going to market this as a religious album and then go and say things like, um, say things like, oh, Y'all didn't like me when wearing when I was wearing pink polos and everything. So and then wearing two polos and not that I'm not that it's fashionable. Y'all think it's cool. Y'all didn't like so y'all don't like me because of Jesus. No, nobody like is saying they don't like you because of Jesus. It's what you're saying. You go and say, uh, you're not checking for black Twitter and black culture. You're more concerned with white Twitter. Like I, I don't know how that's sad with you doing, but that's sad with me weird. That like it's like I get if you want to appeal to the white audience, there's nothing wrong with that. Make your money. But it seems like at this point, you only say things to rile up black people and you really don't give a fuck what they think. Yeah. So and it's, it's real hard to defend that because it sounds bad. Like it he, sounded he, terrible. He, he really has a bad way of delivering his message. But I watched both his interviews. The one that he did with Beats One. What's the guy's name that he interviewed with? Zane. Yeah. He, the one he did with Zane. And then he did the other one with Big Boy. And they both talked about like when he when he said the thing about how he wanted to appeal more to white Twitter than black Twitter. He was he said he wasn't concerned with black Twitter being upset with him. And I think the point he was getting at was basically he was saying. There's there's certain things that we we put we put black people in a certain box. Right. So like let's say, you know, today this podcast just go crazy and it go stupid. You you a rich man tomorrow. Everybody looking at you and they go, oh, you got that white man money. You know what I mean? I and they they put a limitation on how far you can go as a black person. You know what I mean? It's like and what he's trying to say is that it's not a race thing. 
like success shouldn't be confined to only white people or Jewish people or whoever it might be. Like whatever goals that he set for himself, he feels like he can achieve that. And black people are uncomfortable with him trying to go further than what we feel he should go. And that's what I agree with him. Just to stop you on that, I don't think that's the case, though. We we this whole thing of black excellence is really ramping up. I mean, like we always pick up anytime someone black does something great. It's because of the fact that I know for most black people they don't like the fact that he likes Trump. But on top of that, it, it it's this manipulation of once you say you like Trump and then you go to Jesus is just like we don't think that's genuine. I think we would support we've supported Kanye up until this point. So I don't I don't know if that's the case. I get what you're saying and if that's what he's saying, cool. But on top of that, when Big Boy directly asked him, he's like, "Yo, you can like Trump about his policies and everything, getting you tax breaks, but what do you have to say to the part about racism?" And he just straight ignores that. He's like, "It's like whatever, bro. It's like I'm I'm, I'm trying to get my right. tax breaks, nigga." He he did have a statement in there that I kind of I'm not going to say I felt it cuz that part did that whole little section of the interview was like, "Ah, I don't know, Kanye." But he did say he was like, "I'd much rather deal with somebody who calls me a nigga to my face than the other way around." You know what I mean where it's like Yeah. Cuz I do think that even without realizing it, that that what I was just talking about, the whole like, oh, you getting that white man money now, like that's racism. But it's just what's been embedded in our minds. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though we don't look at it and we're not thinking like, oh, I'm doing this maliciously to somebody. It's just like we kind of automatically have that thought like, oh, this person can't do that because he's from here. He's in this situation. And what he's saying is he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be confined to having to make certain moves, whether it be in his business, with his music, with his political views, all of those things. He doesn't want to have to be confined by what is acceptable by the culture. And he said that in his album a few times in a few different songs where he was like, he's not a slave to the culture. And I'm not saying that I agree 100 percent with that. I'm saying I get the direction that he's going. He's saying I shouldn't have to not do this or not say what I want to say because it might upset the culture because this culture is just what was given to us you know what I mean like if you just look from from back to you know before slavery even like we had our own shit and that was taken from us like 99% of black people don't even know what part of Africa we come from, what tribe we belong to. We have no identity but what was given to us. So why are we so, you know what I mean? We so... I get that. And, and, let, me, and let me stop you right there because I'm going to counter that with this. And I, and I do agree with that you shouldn't do things. See, that's the, I think the way, the way we both stand is I'm looking at it from the pessimistic side. You're looking at it from the optimistic side. And if you're looking at it that way, I agree with some of the things that you just said. And it's, it's like, we shouldn't be uh, confined to something based upon how others feel. You should do what makes you happy. I'm cool with all that. That's cool. My thing is, and even the, the culture thing, I agree with you where some black people don't know where we come from. We were given this, but to say that, there's no black culture because you 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 point out things like for foreigns and all that stuff. That's not black culture. That's just what made. That's just what shit and rap. Black culture is deeper than all of that. Like 
to say we were slaves, we came and turned that negative that we were in into something amazing that um, all of America tries to copy to this day. Like, what's bl- you can argue that what black people and what's black has become what's cool. So to say that we don't have a culture, it just, I, I don't know if I can agree with that. It, well, it's not that we don't have a culture. It's more so the culture that we have is what was given to us. Because you got to think like all of these things that are cool are things that are not owned by us. We mm. just make it cool. You know what I mean? Like that's what he was talking about. And I don't know if you saw the big boy interview. But yeah, that's the that's the main one. I, I didn't watch all the Zane one. I watched the, right. all the big boy one. Yeah, too. Zane Zane shit was long as hell. But <laughs> and, uh, and just a bunch of rambling. Yeah, but he was talking about in the big boy when he was saying that everything in the music industry, like we still fighting with contracts. We still can't do anything on TV without a deal. We can't do. You know what I mean? Like, and we don't own any of that. You know what I'm saying? So he he's saying, I want to do something away from that to where I own it. I do it my way. I do it that with everything that aligns with what I believe. Because even though we don't realize it, like you might think like, you know, all the music that's out right now, it's us. It's it's black people. It, we we the ones making the, the music, but it's not ours. You know what I mean? And he, he made a point with the um the Lil Pump song. He he kept saying, like, I'm such a fucking hoe. I love it. That that type of shit. That's what they pushed to number one. Because it lined up with everything that they want for us. You know what I'm saying? And he kind of he masked it with the religion shit. And that's where it get like, okay, I don't know if I could stand with that. You know what I mean? But overall, his mission, what he's trying to do, I, I feel like I can see the direction that he's going. Like he I hope it's to... what you say. Cause I could see this all being a big way to get black people to be like, all right, yeah, I'm with you. I'm rocking with you again. Because it, it, from what you're saying, I could rock. There's there's no reason why I shouldn't rock with that. You know what I mean? But that's not what he he said that, but he didn't say that. Like, yeah. that's that's how you interpret what he's saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that's what he's doing, though, because you got to you got to think like the religion thing is is exactly what we think it is just for not the reason that we think you know what i mean cuz he's a thousand percent coming with the jesus is king and all this stuff to win us back over but i think he knows that it's much easier to win us through what we're comfortable with than to straight up say like i don't want this slave mentality for y'all no more if he come on that type of vibe we all listen to him like bro you crazy you know what I mean? Like you talking a bunch of nonsense. Like I don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? So he trying to he trying to make it happen without directly telling us what he's trying to do. And I, I could be a thousand percent wrong. I'm just saying from watching both interviews, I oh, feel no, I like, like that that's... you're bringing a different perspective. Like you, you, I, 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 because for weeks I've been saying this this narrative where I feel like it's marketing. It, it it's just a a cover up for what has happened. It's just to to put eyeshadow on on the on the pig, so to speak, and I like that you bring in this different this different uh, ideology and, and this different way of thinking on the Kanye situation because it just it's it's good for dialogue and that's my thing. Like I will never hate someone because they have a different of belief than me. We can talk it out. My thing is when you try to use your different to lie about your difference of opinion and cover it up with 
things that I may like, but at the same time, you still are pu- trying to push that narrative without ha- us having a a common ground in between. You're still trying. You're still in that idea where it's no, no, nigga, you wrong. My thing is this, and it's like th- that's kind of what I feel like. He, it's like it's like no, nigga, you wrong. I'm gonna still push this on you. You niggas gonna eat it because I'm gonna give you this 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 good looking pig that I put makeup on. But at the end of the day, it's still a pig. If that makes right. sense. And and you are a thousand percent right. That is exactly what he's doing. But I feel like his motive behind doing might not it be is, as negative. Right. It's bigger than just like buy my album, purchase my merch. Like I think he's trying to show us like there's another way than just working for shit that you don't own. Like he's trying to he's trying to show us that you can you can be mark jacobs you don't have to be the guy that just gets a deal you can be that person with the nine billion dollar company like because just like you said everything in our culture is what's hot right now you know what i mean yeah and i feel like he's looking at it like okay if we have that much power we have that much influence just on what everyone regardless of race like what everyone is consuming like hip-hop is the biggest genre right now I feel like our fashion is the biggest fashion. You know what Everywhere I mean? Like, fat, yeah, no, 100%. Like, all of that shit is us. So he's trying to say we can do that without the deals. We can do that without the the middleman. Like, let's make our shit. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. he mentioned having, like, like, making our Wakanda for real. And I think we can do that once we realize that we don't have to go through the traditional steps whether it be in business just in your regular career like you can make shit happen on your own because it like we're that influential like i think that's his biggest push with it but he has to mask it as what he's doing because if he just says that then he's crazy kanye and you know that no matter what he say everybody kind of looking at him with that what the fuck is he about to say you know what i mean like we not we're not going into it giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like we automatically put the crazy tag on him. And so that's I think, true. I think the Jesus is King thing is his way to ease into what he's trying to do. You know, and what I mean? hope, I, and, I, and I hope you're right. Time will tell because if that's the case, then I'm 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 with black people being owning their own businesses and in supporting each other and and pushing that narrative instead of buying from other people that take more ownership in the things we push. I'm like, I'd be, I'd be an imbecile to say I'm not with that, but it's just, we, we can't, we won't know until we, until it happens. You know what I mean? Like in a couple months, if it's some other shit, then it's like, Oh, well, nigga, this was just a publicity. But if it's not, I'm gonna come on and say, doom, you was right. My, my nigga, like I, I was wrong. One and and we will see on that, but in terms of just the music, not good music. It's definitely working for the demographic of the people who want to seem cool, but are also really Christian. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Everyone that's been in the past, like you know, you know, let's say like the leaders of their youth groups and stuff like that, the ones that necessarily aren't your typical like cool. I've seen them posting this album back and forth, being like, "Oh yeah, I'm hip now." Yeah. I listen to Kanye. He he actually <laughs> spoke on that too. He was saying what what point in time, like as a kid growing up, did you look at church as a positive experience? 
like that you can't think of a time like you just like shit i gotta go to church you know what i mean i gotta wake up early be in here people screaming loud people doing shit that i don't care about like church never really was a positive experience and he trying to bring that you know what i mean and i i think that's just part of his bigger plan you know what i mean but the religion thing is the most safe play he can make you know what I mean? It like is. nobody will diss Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, even people nah, who it, aren't religious, you're not gonna diss Jesus. You know what I mean? So it's like no, you're right about that. It's the smartest way for him to kind of ease into his bigger vision, I guess you could say. But I'm just hoping that on the on the other end, it's not negative. Like I hope he really is what he was talking about. Cause I was, I was trying really hard cause Kanye really is a weird dude. Like if you pay attention in those interviews, like just, just his simple like mannerisms, the shit that he says, he's like, you could tell he's a, something is not normal up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think everybody great has that quality about him. And I'm not saying that, you know, Kanye is just this great dude. Cause you know, he was even mentioning it in the interview. He's he's human. You know what I mean? Like he makes mistakes. He falls short of what he's trying to do. But I think at the core, he's going in the right direction or trying to at least. I'm just hoping he can pull off whatever he's trying to do. I feel like but, some some people could definitely see it that way. But I feel like there's also a lot of people that have gravitated to it that don't see it that way at all. You know, so I mean, it's like one or the two. It's like, is this message getting across? And like, if it is getting and if. And like, are they listening to the message? Is the right. other thing. So well, that that's my biggest worry. Is because I feel like, with him being who he is, he's such a. He's one of those people. It's easy to not like him. You know what I mean? And the way he delivers his messages, even from the beginning of his career, like the Bush hates black people thing, the Taylor Swift incident. Like he's always been that like crazy. I'm gonna insert my opinion. Fuck how you feel about it. And I feel like with a issue like this you can't have that kind of stance but i'm just hoping that somehow some way he can figure it out you know what i mean i hope he I, listens to this and says the says this shit you just said because you convinced yeah, right. me and you convinced me in, in in a little bit like it, it, it like he he should really get with someone and he will never do this and and talk to them about what he actually feels and then for for hours and then let that person figure a way to uh to say what they're saying. Yo, wait, hold on real quick. I'm sorry to cut this off, but this is breaking news. Ben Simmons put Carl Anthony Towns in a headlock. I'm watching the video right now. Ben Simmons got Carl Anthony Towns in a headlock on the ground. Like it, this is, this is live basketball right now. This is crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Like there's a fight going on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what's up. Which, it starts with Embiid. Which chick is oh, it over? Oh shit! They they really fighting Embiid fighting Carthy Towns, and then oh my gosh, <laughs> Ben Simmons tackles him, gets him off Embiid, and then Ben Simmons trying to get him away, puts him in a headlock. Carthy Towns in, taps. <laughs> get yeah, him in the ropes, Embiid. Get him in the ropes. <laughs> that's crazy. Yo, I'm sorry to interrupt that, but that's crazy. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Get, getting getting back. To Kanye, though, did you guys hear about his uh, his concert at the Forum? No. Oh, how to? Well, I heard about how it's like this big. It was this big like church thing going on. Yeah, it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday morning concert at the Forum. He had you know a giant like live choir. Uh, I think I don't remember. I guess they sold tickets to it. I I just had a friend of mine who went to it, and you know I saw it through her Instagram. Uh, well, but yeah, I mean, it, he he came 
out there with the choir, you know, with the, Kenny G made an appearance. He did choir performances of all the songs from Jesus is God, but or, or was that that's the name of it, right? No, it's Jesus is King, my G. My bad. Jesus <laughs> is King. And uh, and he also did like uh, Ultralight Beam. Uh, what else did he Bro, do? His he did a couple of his sick, other songs. By the way, I know y'all oh, seen no. the, the, the freaking uh, Air Pool episode. Yeah, that shit was fire. Bro, that shit was crazy. No, I, I, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole album was the was the choir. But he is for everybody in in Louisiana or surrounding areas. He's coming to Baton Rouge uh, on November. Uh, I believe it's November first. He's going to Brunch Cella. I didn't know that was a thing in Baton Rouge. It's called Brunch Cella. In November first, he's bringing Sunday service to Baton Rouge. So, Louisiana area, if you're interested in going to see that, go check that out. But uh, yeah, man. So sorry to interrupt about that whole car any towns. That's the Kanye stuff. Uh, real quick, well, not quick. I want to talk to you guys about this, but want to say real quick, R.I.P. to John Witherspoon. Just want to take a moment of silence. That was crazy as hell. Rest in peace to the legend, the icon. Yo, John Witherspoon was amazing. Just, just to remember on him, what's some of y'all's favorite work by him? I know friday stands up there but for me it's the boondocks like granddad will be always <laughs> yeah. embedded in my mind like yep. he 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 touched he, and he stayed working like he wasn't one of those older comedians actors that falls off he stayed working and he continued to make iconic roles yeah yeah he, he was super hard working like he I, I remember this was recently he did a, a interview with joe rogan and he was just talking about his schedule and how many shows he do a night. Like he was still doing like small clubs, like stand up. Dude was flying ten months out of the year across the country, touring and shit at his age. And I'm like, yo, this dude never stopped. Like he was still going strong. You know what I mean? That's yeah, he was, and he tra- and he he made it through multiple generations of people. Yeah, definitely. like m- multiple uh multiple uh eras and everything. So just rest in peace. The- Piece to John Witherspoon. You, I'm, you, I'm I wonder what's see how to be, what was you gonna I, say. Well, I, I wonder what's gonna happen now with you know our future Boondocks. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Up. Like how much I'm sure they have already done a few episodes with them. So, but I, you know, Oof. I think that I, I'm thinking it's gonna be fine for the most part because I assume that they've been doing this for a while. I hope and, so because you can't replace that. Like. Either you kill him off and and something happens, like they have a funeral episode. I don't know how you do that. Like, hopefully, it's like what you said because John Witherspoon did do a bunch of interviews before this saying, "Don't worry, the Boondocks will be coming back." So we've been hearing that for a while. So hopefully, they have some stuff in the in the chamber. But if not, it's gonna be interesting to see how Boondocks moves forward. Yeah, but it's definitely sad. I mean, one hundred percent. But let's move on to the next topic. Let's get something that's a little a little more chipper. Schubert, I want to toss this to you to start us off. Uh, college athletes, man. You you shot me the text. You were like, NCAA sports video games are back. What, what's popping off in the world of college sports? Uh, well, I don't know all the specifics. I'm not, like, you know, reading There's the not actual... a lot. I read the article, so I, I got you. There's They just made a vote. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they they pretty much made a vote that now they're going to start letting athletes get uh, co- financial compensation for using their image and likeness. So if they, you know, use, did an autograph session, something like that, yeah. uh, you know, endorsement deals, uh, they could be endorsed by, you know, and do commercials for. I think it's some, something. Yeah, like- selling yeah, jerseys. So- 
This so, was something I mean, that they voted on, and they had. I I don't think they wanted to do this. I think they had to do this because of California and other states passing that law. Because uh, the president of Ohio State, like I, I had to talk about this on the radio. He he was talking about how the board has to adapt to change. But I, this isn't something that they wanted to do. They just had to because they didn't want to. They wanted to avoid court, basically. Yeah, and it really kind of you know changes the the scope of things a little bit. Uh, I, that's where I get muddled with the specifics because there's so many like, what if they did this? What if you do that? Like, um, yeah, and and that's something there's that already we already a lot know. of people like drumming up, you know, these instances, fake instances that could possibly come up that would be troublesome. And on top of that, they're already saying that this is going to take months and even years to get resolved. It won't be resolved yeah. time soon. Senators are already coming out like, oh yeah, we should tax their scholarships, like. Bro, let the like what this is gonna be a, a hot mess. That's what I'm least, saying. It's it's gonna be a little bit of a mess, but I think they will be able to get EA Sports to do their stuff. Because I think oh, that's yeah. a really easy fix. Like EA Sports goes into the NCAA, it's like, okay, well let's for their image and likeness for the video game, they're all gonna get paid this much. Like there really is no like Big deal. person who's gonna get any more money than another person because they're all gonna be the same. In the game, um, yeah, no one in the game. And then Mitt, Mitt Romney was like, "Yeah, we got to make sure this this goes a certain way because we don't want our college athletes driving Ferraris on college campuses." They already like, are, bro. Like, you, this is a capitalist society, and especially from the Republican Party, you guys always preach the free market and all of this stuff. But now that it's this, oh, these kids can't make money. Like, I don't understand why America's not like Europe because in Europe. You can play professional sports at a young age, and there's a whole farm system. They get paid like America's the only one that we hide this veil of a farm system through the ide- ideal of college, and, they, and we want to make each other feel bad because, oh, uh, we want to give these kids a good education. But in reality, if you're a college athlete, you don't have time to do shit but the sport you play. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I was listening to like uh, some people talk about, I think it was Will Kane, and he's talking about, um, that you know the thing about being a walk-on in college was that you did have the ability to work and also play um and so like now they're thinking that there's going to be more opportunity for everyone to kind of get that the same and that you know there's not going to be people that are going to be like trying to be walk-ons for just that reason because that was the thing actually uh, but, and they've been paying people for like we just need oh to yeah get, yeah like they pay people now Der- like Derrick Henry got like a brand new Dodge Charger the day he signed for Bama. Doom, you know them niggas from Baton Rouge, uh, bro. I saw Darius Geis and Leonard Fournette with brand new Chargers and Challengers, and Leonard Fournette baby mama went to UL and she had a brand new Challenger. Yep. I don't, the niggas can't afford that. Come on, fam, yeah. let's, let's let's call yeah. a spade a spade. Yeah. I mean, it's, but that whole situation is just about controlling the money. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, 100%. Like, they, they fought to not do that just so the NCAA can control the money. They make, you know they what make I mean? a bill. It's a billion-dollar industry. These Bro. coaches are getting paid crazy contracts. The school's making so much money. They don't want to give that. This is free. They're, they're basically making money off of free labor. Like, Bro. it's crazy. I, was, I read an article on when this issue first came up. They was talking about uh, the amount of money that March Madness uh, generates. It was nine hundred million in one month. Oh yeah, no March Madness makes March the NCAA Madness so much money, bro. And I'm just saying, like, to say that you make that money on the back of other human exactly. beings yeah. and not 
try to give them at least a small piece of the pie. Nine hundred million, bro. That's a lot of money. In the year Zion played, it even increased. Like it depends on the athletes during the year. That nine hundred million dollars might be on a bad year. Right. And I'm saying that's almost a billion dollars in one month. You know what I mean? And 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 everybody talk about well, they they got the scholarship and they you know they get free education. Like, come on, bro. These are dudes that are the dudes that we talking about. Because I get that there's some athletes that you know they they play. And they need Under, that. They need that scholarship. There right. are definitely those cases. Right. But when you talk about like the Zion Williamson's of the world, this dude knows he's playing for the next level. Like he's not playing to, you know, go and get some corporate job after college. Like Ben Simmons the, didn't go to class. He yeah. did not go to LA. Yeah. They passed his. They Cam didn't go to class. Like, come yeah. on, fam. Like, who are we? Ki- like, we like I said, we try to hide under this this vain ideology and morality of oh yeah these kids are get here getting an education they don't go to class like if you spend time with a a college athlete that's that's there for to go to the pros they don't go to class and the ones that are there to get an education have a hard time getting that going to class and stuff because they have to focus on this football these coaches in college football basketball these big major sports i can't speak on baseball i can't speak on i can't speak on those other sports but in terms of college basketball and college football these coaches are getting paid so much that their job security is on the line and they mainly make these kids focus eat sleep and breathe it's a business these sports and that's all the time they have for Right. Yeah, the one thing I was thinking when this whole thing happened was, does this help college basketball? Like, would this give more players incentive not to go to the league as fast? Well, the De'Aaron Fox, they asked him that specific question, and they said, "Would you stay in Kentucky if you were getting paid another year?" He was like, "Fuck no, I'm going to the league." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was in Kentucky. Like, you know, imagine someone who's like, you know, uh, somewhere that's desirable, USC. Like, you know, let's say you're at USC and you get paid a good bit of years. You're like, oh, well, I can go to USC, get paid for two, three years, and then I can come to the NBA with, you know, more more basketball playing time. Like, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people that are saying about some of the rookies that come in is they don't have enough experience playing basketball or that their bodies aren't ready and that they do like some players that stay through college because of other circumstances, but they don't have – but they're not that elite talent. You know, imagine one of these elite talents – developing within the college system under one of these great coaches that are getting paid all this money. It, I think it'd be a really good opportunity for them if like the, if the money was right. If, I, I understand this, like yeah. if it's someone that's not getting enough money and is like, okay, well, I need to make the NBA money. That's fine. But I mean, if the money's right and you have the opportunity to you know, get some compensation in college, I feel like that's going to help college basketball a little bit with maybe not having so many one and dones. You might yeah. be right about that. Like out of any sport it, it affects the most, it might affect college basketball the most cuz now that I'm thinking about it, the one and done, the ones who are NBA prospects are going to go no matter what, but the ones that are kind of the fringe like mid-round freshmen are like might, imagine some of the one and dones that went in like the second round. Like those guys could stay another year and get better yeah. and better. Yeah. No, I'm and, with you on that. And they're not forced to I, look, I got. They got to feed their families. They got to do whatever they got to do with their money, mm-hmm. and they're not forced to feel that pressure off automatically. If they do well in college, they can make money and send it home. No, that that's a good point. It, it doesn't affect football as, as much. It it kind of it might even even out the playing field to where the Pac-12 becomes a better conference. You know what I mean? So all these kids aren't inclined to go to these big SEC powerhouses because they're paying under the table. But sure, yeah. <laughs> so I think you're right about and also, that. And also it gives basketball. you the, the ability to location hop. 
It's not. It's no longer about you know whatever you're getting financially or the pedigree. You know, you could be like, hey, you know, well, you UCLA, it's a pretty cool place to be, and I can get paid yeah. there. No. Why not go to UCLA? See, Why, if, my my worry is that it'll ruin the sport just for that reason. Because yeah. you you gotta think there'll be those powerhouse schools that have a whole lot more money than you know these middle of the road schools that you kind of don't That's hear true, about, true. like. Why would you go to one of these smaller colleges when you can go to a USC and get the opportunity to even be in the conversation for these likeness deals? You know what I mean? Sure. Like nobody will want to go to these smaller schools because, you know, like the, in, in March Madness, there'll be tons of schools that you never even heard of. You'd be like, who is yeah. these dudes? But will those players want to go to those schools now that this is a thing? Also, I think it affects in terms of the bigger talent name wise. I think it affects the sense of do I want to spend my one year in Lexington, Kentucky, or do I want to spend my one year in Southern California? I, mm-hmm. I in terms of the one and dones, I think it affects do I want to go to Durham with Coach K, or do I want to go chill on the beach at UCLA? You know what I mean? Miami. Like I think yeah, Miami, Florida. Do I want to go to do I want to go to the swamp when I could go to the U? honestly. Honestly, CU Boulder. Mm. A lot. That's a big location for a lot of people. A lot of people really want to be at, at Boulder. I think that that would really bolster Colorado's programs. There's a lot of. There's going to be a lot to look at this going forward. There's going to be a lot of pluses that we've named. The minuses that we name. I definitely think. I just want the game. Yeah, and, and I don't want. Ju- and I don't want just football. I want basketball. I want, yeah, definitely. I love the yeah. college basketball game. Yeah. I'm curious um, to see if we get a 2K college football game. Mm, they, I, only, the only reason we don't have it because EA has the rights to NFL, but NCAA might be open game. You know what I mean? So I'm curious oh, to see they're if definitely, they're definitely gonna have to do redo a contract with that. EA and in 2K are definitely gonna start bidding on. I could see it where EA gets college football and 2K gets basketball. I could believe that. Well, I'm saying that we might have both because I feel like NFL was. They're, they're their own separate entity. They they were the ones who was like, yo, we want one consistent game with our brand, that type of deal. But the NCAA, like, I know you remember there used to be, you know, the college basketball EA sports games, and yeah. that was 2K college and hoops, the 2K you know ones. what I mean? So yep. we might have both. And, and yeah, that's true. And speaking of that, NBA Live just got canceled for this year, so EA yeah. doesn't have a basketball property right now, and that could be something that we could see happening going forward. That's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, let's talk Pels, but we're not going to talk basketball quite yet. This is news that I found out, and I was like, wow, why didn't this be headline ESPN? Why isn't this big radar? It's because of the Pels being the team, and it's because of the person that this happened to didn't isn't that popular of a coach. Do y'all know a Pelicans coach got punched at the Rockets game? I did not. By nope. fans? That's crazy. Got straight up decked by a fan at the Pelicans Rocket game that just passed, and the Pels didn't comment on it. I'm pretty sure they're suing. The league banned that fan for forever. That is insane. He punched the coach. Which coach? He poached like one of like the uh it's that's why it's not a popular coach. I don't even know his name, but it, he's like one of the training staff player development guys. Did they say what happened? What was he what doing? Was... I, they, he, he was just coaching in the wait. Hold on, I'm gonna pull up the story to give y'all more insight. But well, I'm like I'm like, was there like some kind of altercation? Like, was that dude saying like F F your mom? And then the coach was like, No, F your mom, and then the dude punched him in the face. 
Okay, so a Rockets fan accused, arrested and accused of punching Pelicans coach. A Houston Rockets fan is charged with punching a Pelicans coach. At the end of the game, between the teams, uh, they charged him with a misdemeanor. I'm trying to see why he uh, he did this. His girlfriend was arrested for preventing for prevent the police from getting to him. <laughs> Ride or die. <laughs> Good job, girl. <laughs> well, yeah, they haven't released the motive yet, but the police said they'll get down to the bottom of it. So there's no motive right now. But the yeah, girlfriend he just helped drunk. him out. <laughs> he probably was just drunk. It was probably one of those situations. He is dollar beer night. He like fucked the Pelicans, go Rockets, and got too crazy. Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> Straight up punched the coach. <laughs> nuts. That's, yeah, that is nuts. But speaking of coaching and Pelicans, we'll talk about this real quick right now because we're not going to talk too much basketball and bros who ball. And we will talk. I will talk with Brian Bienemy about the Pels, but I know Doom is a big Pels fan. Schubert's a big Pels fan. Wanted to talk about this here at the beginning. But what do y'all think of the Pels beginning starting 0-4? Uh, I believe they play tonight, I tomorrow. think. Oh, they play tomorrow. So by the time you guys hear this, they play tomorrow. Do you, where do y'all place blame at? A lot of it is they're not executing well on defense and not a lot of defensive effort. Should the coach get fired? Like, I, I, I come to blame the coach in this scenario. And I'll start with you, Doom. I, I don't know if I blame Gentry too much yet just because, one, is still early. Two, the injury bug bit us bad. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't know if you know this, but it's in the, in the Warriors game, they just seemed mentally defeated. Like, they weren't in the game. Like, they were they were playing, but they weren't at 100%. And I think they realized, like, damn, we got no Drew. Derek Favors was out. Yeah. Obviously, Zion out. Like, they was missing. They they missed. That's three starters. You know what I mean? So, it's kind of like. Yeah. Yo, it's... And, and then at the beginning of that game, too, you know, the building was deflated immediately because, like, they went out to 11-0 run, like. And, you know, when the Pelicans fans are in Smoothie King Center, you stand until the Pelicans score. So the fans are up there standing. Yeah, for, for forever. Know, forever. That. And, you know, that's just embarrassing. And, you know, so you yeah. just kind of like it, it, they just were not, not in it from the beginning. And when you were watching the game, it just seemed like everyone was missing shots. Uh, JJ missed a ton. Uh, Brandon Ingram was the only guy yeah. who was really working. And besides him, Jackson Hayes. Like Jackson Hayes had a really good game, I'd say, yeah. for a rookie. But if I if I if I want to if I want to point yes. fingers, Gentry's one of the fingers I point at because of the emotional. I agree, Doom. They look defeated, but that's where you gotta have a good coach to to get you riled up. Like that's what that you have to have a leader. But the injury bug definitely bit us. But I also gotta blame JJ Redick hasn't lived up to what we thought he was gonna be. He hasn't been hitting shots. I know it's early, four games in. That but he didn't expect to be the guy. He didn't. And then on top of that, who did? They say the guy was, could be an MVP season. I know he was hurt, didn't play last game. But before that, Drew Holiday has not had many good offensive games this season. No, nah, he's not. He he actually, I've been kind of upset with him this year. Me too, like, because Griffin hyped it up to where he was going to be an MVP caliber. Like, against yeah. the Rockets, he had 13 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Okay, cool. 13, first game, double. I think he had 8 points. But No, that's the first game against the, the Raptors. He had 13 that's what I'm saying. You gotta have okay. more than you gotta have more than thirteen. You're the star. He yeah. had eight against the Mavericks, eight points, eight assists. Bro, you gotta get at least ten minimum. Come on, Drew. But MVP, you're supposed to be the leader of this team. You should be in twenty digits. It shouldn't be Lonzo, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram against the Rockets. That's when he didn't play. He got injured. So eight, four, 
eight, I mean, eight and 13, that's just not what we need from the supposed MVP. He says he can play tomorrow, but I got to put blame on him, JJ Redick, and Gentry in the defense, I mean, of course. I, I don't really, I'm just really not in panic mode because everyone out there is playing their role in a sense. Like, if, if Zion oh, and good. if Zion and Drew are plugged into that, then like, you know, JJ, who's the, who's the fourth option as a three point shooter only would be getting only his shots you know uh brandon ingram i you know is playing surprisingly be- better than i thought he would me honestly. too i gotta give brandon I, his you know, i'll give him some props there lonzo you know is doing what lonzo does he just needs more trust like they just but need to give him he need to be more aggressive he does and and on top of that i, I i'm upset about the twitter hate that Lonzo's been good doing saying he's forcing shots lonzo has to be he, i i and they think he should go more in the paint which i agree with but Lonzo's game, if you watch him at UCLA, he does those step-back threes. That's his thing. And I'm not going to stop him saying he should stop shooting those because there's no way he'll build his confidence on, without that. Lonzo, in these past games, I know Brandon Ingram's gotten a lot of shine. Game one, he had eight, five, and five. Cool. Game one, he wasn't really doing too much. Game that's not two, a bad stat line, that's though. Not, that's not bad. And, he didn't ha- and look at his minutes. Game two, he had 15 Five and five. After him not closing out in that fourth quarter against that Rockets game, he took recognized like, yo, I need to step up. Against the Rockets, he had 14, one and two. I think the assist. Oh, no, I'm, I read JJ. He had eight, 10 and two, 10 assists, double double. I mean, and then against freaking uh, the Warriors, which I'm not going to even. That's garbage points and stuff. He had 12, nine and four. So Lonzo's had multiple games with damn near double digit assists. He has played well. I think. Him, Brandon Ingram, and got to give Josh Hart credit. Those dudes from the Lakers are trying to take the most of the situation they're in. Bro, balling. Brandon yeah, yeah. Ingram looked like an all-star. Like, I yeah. feel like if he do that consistently, he will be an all-star. He, like, he looks so good. Zero question about it. He looks so good. The Lakers fans were like, damn, we should have got rid of Kuzma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bro. They should have. They should have. Yeah, Brandon Ingram looks really good. Josh Hart, you know, he's getting starting minutes now. I mean, he's... He's consistently he playing well it. every night, and he's like kind of like the heart, you know. He's like, definitely playing great defense and getting rebounds. I got to give him that. And I was just about to say that. I feel like Josh Hart is the energy right now. Like without Zion there, because I feel like you know, obviously Zion come in, get a crazy dunk, catch a half court alley from Lonzo. That that give your team the energy. But since they don't have that right now, Josh Hart been that guy. Like he been the. The energy dude. That's where the the team get the motivation from, and I like Talk, that because talking I about, didn't go ahead. My bad. Talking about energy, though, we were talking about earlier. You know, Jackson Hayes coming in and getting the alley oops, and you know, coming in with ferocious dunks. This is kind of what we expected out of him. You know, hopefully he can do that more consistently. Of course, that's not going to happen. But I mean, he yeah, played he's pretty. Get- I mean, but he played really well and used utilized the time that he had on the floor. Like I feel like he played probably the best. The best next to Ingram. Yeah, well, night. my confusion is why hasn't he been getting more minutes? Because he's not I, ready. That's I, what But it, I, feel, I feel like what's the alternative? Jaleel Okafor not really doing shit when he's on the floor. You know what I mean? No. Like, he he okay. Like, he's like, a, you know, he can play his role. When he get on the floor, he's not gonna, you know, make you mad with crazy mistakes or nothing like that. But we need what Jackson was bringing in that Golden State game. And he I feel was, like yeah. if, if Favors wasn't hurt, he wouldn't have played. You know I'll what I mean? Why not? I, I feel like he brings energy, and I agree with y'all on that point. But in terms of mistakes defensively, Jackson sure. makes a lot. 
Like, and, and that's the things that go, that's why he's not playing right now. And I agree that how else will he get better if he doesn't play? And I think he should play, but you got to find that balance because if we're going to be a playoff team, he can't play as much. But right now it's like, are y'all are, like, and, I, and we're four games in, we're judging this like we're fucking 30 games in, but we're yeah. four games in. This can all change once the injuries, uh, the injury bug gets off of us and we get our players back. I- I will say, you know, the one of the discussions we were having in the summer was who's going to be like the number two point guard. Frank Jackson's coming in and, and performing. Like he has. Go look at his stats. No, yeah. has no like, hasn't had a good good uh, start to the regular oh, season. I'm, I'm sick of no already, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of him, man. Oh, uh, ever man. since that Toronto game, I was like, okay, I hope this is not the trend, and he just he not getting it together. I don't know. And, and and I was talking in the group message, like every game we we talking mad shit in the group message. And I was like, yo, get Naw off of my court. And everybody <laughs> was mad at me for saying that because they want him to be good so bad. He's not ready. Like, I think exactly yes. what we was just saying about Jackson Hayes. Naw is not ready. Dude went like what one for twelve in the Toronto Look, game. I'm That's gonna say crazy. this. I think he has the Kobe rookie problem. How Kobe came out his rookie year and just wasn't. He wasn't living up to his expectations of what he set for himself. I think Nall had such a great preseason. He came in with those rookie jitters, and it, he expected to play like he was, and he just hasn't lived up to it. But, I look, he hasn't played good at all. Hopefully that can change. But that's enough Pelly's talk. Uh, yo, bro, Doom. Big Bad Russ knocked out Guap Dad. Yo. Oh, man. I'm, I'm sick of Russ. <laughs> I'm sick of Russ, bro. Like, and, and when we talk about, like, all the antics for the media and shit, that's all that is. Like, I don't even... It, it really... It, it hurt my head just listening to these dudes go back and forth. Like, I was so confused, bro. I'm like, this is why I'm, like, sick of rap. <laughs> like, I just can't... Oh, man. You thought that was all ant? You didn't think it was, you didn't buy Russ's story of you, you said my name in a song, you get sucker punch, nigga? Nah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the whole. I'm a, I'm a hit you and then I'm a run behind my security. I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't, nah. Yeah, no, I'm not with that either. He should have, he should have fought square up, but he said, I punched you, you ain't react. So what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> but yeah. get behind my security. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yo, they that, jump all the guap. They, like them big security niggas was just jumping niggas, and then guap that dumbass run into the cor- or whoever that was ran into the corner by the two fences. Bro, you was cornered in. You you a dummy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said he he ran completely out the festival. They oh. like finished his ass. He Damn. did not want no parts of the festival after that. Damn, big bad rush. You rappers that on the festival scene better watch out. Y'all better not say Russ's name. Russ gonna give you them hands. <laughs> I mean, I respect it. I guess he he got some niggas scared, but it couldn't be me. It couldn't be me. I'll say that. <laughs> it wouldn't go down like that. Not Russ. Any nigga with hair like that is not punking me like that. It's not <laughs> oh man. But next up we got yo. We kind of talked about this with uh a, a while ago about how there's best friend tears and how you can't sleep with your best friend's girl. Why is mm-hmm. little Why is little Fizz with Omarion's baby mama? They, they look like some clowns, bro. That's some clown shit, doomed. I know you saw that. That's some clown oh, shit. It's and it's what's crazy is he feel like he's doing nothing wrong. Like yeah, I, I don't know if you I don't know if you seen. He got mad at Joe Button tweet. Joe Button tweeted out like it couldn't be me or something <laughs> something to that effect. And Fizz was mad. He was like, like, 
Like, bro, I feel like any nigga would get touched in that situation. Yeah, no, bro. (laughs) Especially if we like that, like, since kids, bro. Like, we've been been tight since we was little niggas. Like, nah. Yo, you catching the fade, my G. Like, you cannot sleep with your... The way we said it, Doom, on on the podcast previous, we said there's tiers of best friends. Like, there's the A tier, the B tier, the C tier, the D tier. You could date your C and D tiers exes, but you can't date A and B. I'm not with A and B, yeah. and I'm not even really with C, but, you know, I, I, I'll accept niggas saying, yo, that's not really your friend. Sometimes, sometimes the C's girl, ex-girlfriend's just really hot. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's tough. Schubert's that heartless fuck, bro. That's, tough. that's, that's, that's tough. him. <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> fuck that, Shit. bro. Lil Fizz is stupid. But, yeah, so this sounds like an A-tier friend sleeping with baby mama. Yeah, bro. The A tier sleeping with ex wife, baby mama. Like, nah, Yikes. dog. Yeah, that's no, dog. Bro, and I think dog. it would be different if it was just an ex girlfriend, but baby moms is crazy, bro. That's nuts. They doing it that's for the crazy. show. It's straight for loving hip hop. Like, and that's, and that's nasty. Like, I know we talk about Kanye being that, like, multi. That, this is nasty. This is all reality show stuff. And, yeah. like, oh my gosh, I can't. Get, Lil Fizz don't have a career, so he got to do this. But yeah, that's I, I, that's literally nothing I do can make a headline. So I got to do some crazy shit. That's exactly like, that's, what that that's is. desperation shit right there. So the final topic before we get to the interview with Jay saying I wanted to ask y'all about was this was something that happened and I kind of felt I kind of felt that the person who did this was in the wrong. So basically, YG kicked out a fan because he asked him to say fuck Donald Trump or if he or if he hated Donald Trump or some shit like that. And the fan was like, not really. I don't know. And he kicked the fan out. And I think that that's wrong. I think that you can like we always say, you can like you can have a difference of opinion, somebody, but you don't have to hate them. You don't you, you don't have to befriend them. Like, I think this is. Just what YG is upset with, he kind of did the same thing that he's upset with. If that makes sense, how do you feel about that doom? And then Schubert, you can chime in on that as well. Well, you you know I'm always have the the business outlook to it. I'm looking at it as YG was on stage, brought the guy up, white told dude, him to say you know yeah, brought the white dude up, told him to say fuck Donald Trump, and the way he set it up was all for the show. Like I'm looking at it, and I can tell it's all. Like, just the situation was to set up the emotions for the show. And he was about to drop the FDT song. But the dude didn't want to say fuck Donald Trump. So he fucked up the whole intro to the song. So you got to go. Now I got <laughs> I got a show to do. You know what I mean? That's how I'm looking at it. But if you bring the actual politics and everything into it, then you're 100% right. Then it's fucked up. And you're doing exactly what we against. But I didn't see it like that at all. I'm oh, looking at so it I like, dude... Dude was about to drop the FDT song because, you know, as soon as he would have said fuck Donald Trump, yeah, the, the beat would have dropped and he would have performed the song. He fucked the show up. So, bro, you got to get off the stage. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yo, that's a great I didn't even think about it like that. Yo, so I haven't heard YG being brought up on conservative talk radio more than I have this week. Like, almost every day it's just like, oh, that YG guy is just the worst. Like, okay, well... I have zero issue on what YG did, dude. Like, if you want to kick the dude out, kick the dude out. Like, if you come to a YG show, you know what the fuck's up, dude. Like, yeah, especially with his biggest single being "Fuck Donald Trump." You know exactly. You know what's up. Like, if you're not in there and you're not, you know, you're not in with in with the picture, you don't understand what you're coming to. Then get the fuck out. 
Like, <laughs> oh, y'all both, y'all both came at it different than I did, but I love so, it. So, I mean, like, whatever. YG, do what you want to do, man. But, I mean, like, I, I, do ha- I, I do have a little bit of issue with what happened with uh, when Kendrick did that, with, like, bringing that, like, the, that white sorority girl up and then, like, you know, make, pretty much, her. like, pretty much trapping her into saying the N-word so that he could, like, stir it up. No, that that was, that, that was another thing. That was that was that that was something that happened. He definitely, I I think he might have wanted her to to pause herself, but that was definitely like a, you, you set you set her up for failure. <laughs> you yeah, you set her up for failure. But it, she also shouldn't should have. She known definitely should have said that. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. But you definitely set her up. You wanted that to happen. Yeah. It's all it all goes back to with me and Doom talking about. It. It's all for money. It's all about this for marketing. Sure. Get them clicks. Yep. But, for sure. No, yeah, YG, YG just got a, a lot more, you know, umbrella of people who know his name now. Oh, 100. Yeah. But and I think it's nasty that these news networks use that to push the political propaganda. Oh, 100%. Me, I look at it, and that's not what it was at all. Like, I, I just don't think that. And plus, like, I really do feel like YG he really doesn't fuck with Donald Trump, but the song wasn't even necessarily about his political views. It was literally <laughs> like, like what can get the people riled up? Fuck Donald that, Trump. Like a bunch of game talk. Like that's all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yo, dude, tell the people where they can find you on social media, my brother. Cause after you do that, we'll get into the interview with Jay Sands. Hello, doom as IG and Twitter. 100%. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with rapper Jay Sands. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So this week's interview, I'm joined by, I don't want to say Lafayette artist. I want to say lyricist. I want to say wordsmith. I want to say poet in a sense. I want to say rapper, rapper from Lafayette, Mr. Jay Sands. What's good, bro? How you doing? How you doing, bro? Chilling, I'm chilling. I'm glad to be here, bro. For real. I'm glad to have you, bro. And just talking a little bit off air, you're a very humble dude. I see it, mm-hmm. like 100. percent And from your recent success on the internet, you could you was gonna either come one or two ways. You was really gonna be in your your braggadocious bullshits, which I'm not saying you're not. Right. Or you was gonna be like you are just I'm just me. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. I feel that. But you know what's crazy? Like. My name is Jay Sand, and the S A N D. What well, the J stand for? My name Jaleel, mm-hmm. and the Sand S A N D. The S it stands for such a narcissistic dude because I feel like the rap persona. Like when I started rapping, mm-hmm. now I'm a huge Kanye fan, right? And like when I started rapping, this was around the time between 808s and my beautiful Duck Twisted Fantasy when he was on like when his ego was like at an all time high. The Amber Rose man. And then like I'm a fan of hip. Like I'm a hip hop student. Like. To the core, and I felt like you know when studying all these rappers, I looked up to. I just feel like if you want to be the best, you gotta have that ego. You gotta be like, mm. you gotta feel like you're the best. Cause once you start saying it, people got like I started saying I'm the best, and like people started, you know, saying people yeah. gonna agree. Cause when you really, you know, so like the, that's why I get the like you gotta be like you gotta be like a narcissist to some kind of you know to yeah. some point. You know, I feel that, and, and honestly, I would say all artists to a certain extent are narcissists because. You're promoting yourself. You make this persona right. for yourself. Right. It's the whole. I just. Oh, what movie was I watching? Another. God damn it! It's the whole. Uh, I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad. It's the whole. Are you Walter White? Or are you hide this Heisenberg persona? Right. Right. And, and it, there's some level of narcissism and all that. But we're we're dope. Glad to have you on the show. 
just a little banter to the beginning. Let's uh start off for people in our fan base that might not necessarily know where you started from, or even people in your fan base that that might be new fans that might not necessarily know how you got your start. Get right. me into your twenty year old kid. What made you want to start rapping? Um, well, you know how like. Yeah, bro. Right. Okay. This far. Right. You know how uh yeah, I didn't know, you know. So you know how like in like elementary school and shit like that when niggas parents would put them in like sports and shit and mm-hmm. you know things like that. Like I was always like I always made amazing grades. Like I was just straight A student, you know, on my shit. And like I would do like honor societies and shit like that. And I never really did sports. I'm not really athletic. I can't hoop for shit. Like, you know, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. ain't never but like music was always my thing cuz that was my uncles and shit used to do like Mm, it's in the like at our family gatherings, we don't sit around and like play cards and shit like that. Like my uncle, my oldest uncle, my mom's oldest brother, he got like a studio set up in his house. That's fine. That's what that's what we doing. Like we not we not we not fucking playing football outside. We not fucking we not doing it. that shit. We all in the studio. And this since I was a child. But like they would never let me get on songs until I was like 12, 13. But like I was always writing verses because like my mama was doing it, my mama was singing, rapping. Like my mama's a fire ass poet. Like on some like used to read my mama. I used to sneak and read my mama notebooks and shit. Hey, my mama got see y'all think I'm fire? <laughs> hey. Mom's got that pen. My mama, hey, my mama could fuck some shit up on some Hell real shit. Oh yeah. Um, but like since then, like music, that was just like my thing. Okay. Like even when like like my grandfather died and like my all my mama's siblings had moved to Alabama. Cause that's just where they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Cause after Katrina, cause one of my uncles lived in New Orleans. Like after Katrina, he went up there and he liked it out there. And he was like, "Well, shit, everybody should just move." But my mama and the, my aunt, who's close to my manager, who's close in age to my mama, we stayed in Lafayette. Mm. We was like, "Yeah, we not fooling with it." Cause Alabama, cause they in like North Alabama, Huntsville, and the mountains is cold as shit out there. Whatever. We spent a Christmas out there. Hated that shit. <laughs> but that's the first time I saw like being in Louisiana in my life. Being out there, that was the first time I saw real snow and yeah. not that ice shit. Yeah, real snow. Slush. I fu- I fucks with real snow. Okay, but back to what I was saying, like music, that was just my thing. Like all my all my partners was doing sports and shit and shit like that. Music. I'm in the house, like writing. You playing making instruments? Beats. Uh, I'm learning piano right now. Okay, really? uh, but that's it. I kind of uh, I started learning basic piano in middle school. But, like, you know, now I'm trying to, like, build up on that. And I'm trying to learn, like, theory. Because, okay. like, it fascinates me how, like, certain chords and shit can make people feel. But I, I ain't even begin to, like, get into that. Because, I, you know, I'm I'm still learning. I'm not even nowhere. You know, I could. So you're trying to produce as well? No, I produce, but I sample a lot. Oh, okay. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like once I learn piano, because, mm-hmm. like, piano, once you, if you know piano, that translates to learning guitar and shit like that. I want first. I want to master piano and drums because once I could do that, it's over with. Because I'm trying to stop sampling. Okay, you're trying because because one of the things like one of my major problems is I use so many samples and it takes a lot of time and money to try to clear these samples, which is why I be putting my music up on SoundCloud but nonprofit. Because once you make you start making profits off of shit you sample and you didn't get permission, that's how you get sued and shit. Big facts. copyright infringement. I'm not trying to get sued by nobody, so that's why. Anything I sample is going to be for non-profit and up on SoundCloud. And a lot of these songs on my upcoming album is sampled. So that's why I got to be on SoundCloud and Bandcamp and on my website. 
with it for non-profit because niggas not trying to get sued, you know? No, I feel... <laughs> Yo, that's At all. funny I ain't got no fucking that. money for that shit. Yo, literally on our podcast, every like episode, we talk about how we got a phrase where it's like, we're not trying to get sued. Nigga, like, yeah. Niggas, like, <laughs> niggas not trying to get sued no, for shit, Fuck bro. no, no, bro. Because they go see like someone on the come up and just try to hit you for the lick. That's how it be. You heard what they did to Juice World? Oh yeah, he's he. I know oh he's sick. Oh my god, they got another band. Okay, the no, it, it was Sting first, and I understand that because yeah, that's fucking yeah, they, that's his song, and that's like you <laughs> can hear that, right? But see the other, but the other band, I went, no. I literally was, li- I was literally no. listening to that yesterday. Now, there's a certain clause in uh the fair use policy. It's like you could copy. Well, you can. I don't even say copy, but you could like derive a melody. You can interpolate. Yeah, you can that's, sing the same. that's the proper word. You can interpolate yes. a melody. Ooh. But you can only like take up to like eight notes, right? Now, if I, now from a legal standpoint, I'm listening to both the shits. If you want to apply that law to this case, fuck, because I'm a political science yeah. major. Let me talk my shit. Do you fucking, think? if you apply that, Juice World did not break the fucking law because is he only like the it's only like three similar notes, the dun dun dun, and them notes are repeated. Yeah, them that's the only notes. No- and you and after listening to them two songs, you can't say that no, them shits is he. They was just trying to hit a lick off him, right? Man. That's all right. he was trying to do. And the funny thing is, me and I was at the radio station. I went on seven nine. My work, and that's and I was talking to my co-host, and I was like, bro, there's no fucking way he's getting sued for like you said three fucking notes. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. But Sting, I get no Sting, Sting not nah, Sting. Sting, Sting was in the right to do that. Like yeah. you can't even be mad at that shit because you know and Sting could have hit him, hit him for a lot more. Because no. Sting, Sting didn't really. Sting was no. just like, yo, let me. Get no, it. Sting took, Sting took a percentage and a fucking. He took he took royalties mm-hmm. and he took like like a flat rate off the top. Yeah, that's what. But I'm saying Sting could have took the whole that's thing. A lot. He could have took the whole thing though. He couldn't have. You don't think so? No. That whole that whole melody, the sample, like. He can't do because he didn't do that to Carl Thomas. He didn't do that to Fifty Cent. Nigga sampled Sting like every five years. Nigga, that's like that's one of the most sampled songs in hip hop. I think true. it's called "Pieces to My Heart" or some shit like that. Fucking yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't take that much from P Diddy. Them. He didn't take that much. He didn't. So like, he hit Juice World hard because of like I'm guessing because of the like. That song is a big ass song. Yeah, it's one of his most popular songs. Fucking, that's why that's why Sting hit him so hard. And I bet if he would have just went talk to Sting, it wouldn't have been like it'd have been like just pay me the flat rate. Right, because a lot of times, like, see the thing about the music industry that people don't understand, and I'm not even in the industry to understand it, but I'm seeing it. Like, it's about connection, because. Niggas will let you use their sent like to sample them for free if you know them. Yeah. Like if you don't know them, that's when the like that's when the fees come and shit like that. But if you know them, or like you know your big homie in the music industry know them, you know, they're gonna clear that for you. That's why my thing, like, if I sign to somebody, I'm not taking no label advance or nothing like that. All I need from I can do everything myself. I edit, I do all my videos and shit, I mix master myself, I I don't need shit from nobody. You yeah, know, yeah, you do it what I need is y'all connections to help me clear these samples. That's all I need. And then I'm going to let y'all take y'all percentage or whatever we made this deal for. Mm-hmm. Let y'all get y'all money. Then give me my money from my tours and shit. I do all my own. I can do this myself. Yeah, you can do everything yourself. I just need y'all connections to clear these samples. Once y'all clear these samples, the business is fucking good. Real. We're going to all be happy. 100%. That's what's up. 
Let me know, or just to detour a little bit, go back to the beginning. Give me some of your influencing. And so your, your uncles and everybody, I know you're influenced by them because right. that's how you get the, the idea of I so want to make music, music and I want right. to do this for real, right. for real. Mm. Tell me when the rap comes in because what type of music are y'all making at home? Are y'all oh, just... it, it was rap. Oh, it was like, rap. It was... So y'all rap. Yeah. And, and okay. you know, like, and they didn't hold on back. They was like, real? Okay. you know, they was my mom and them. Like, now it would be a lot of songs where all my uncles, we like, it would be like, we'd be, I remember this one song. I forgot the name of it, but like, all my uncles on the song, basically on some like cipher shit. No, like it was on some bitches ain't shit. Like, uh, uh-uh, oh. fuck all that. But then, <laughs> but then my aunt comes up. Now my aunt, my aunt and my mama, some some cold ass. Oh my god. So anyway, my aunt comes on the song. Like what I what I could what I would compare it to is like that song that Nan nigga song with 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 Trick Daddy and Trina when Trick Daddy talking all that shit. But then Trina like no fuck that. You niggas, niggas ain't shit, shit either. Yeah. yeah, my aunt did that shit, and I was like, damn. And I, you know, it's crazy. We was all in the studio together. Now, mind you, I'm like eight at the time, mm-hmm. and I'm writing. You know, they cussing. So when the shit I'm writing, I'm cussing too. Yeah. It's like, Let, let's hear what you got, Jay. So I'm rapping, and they're like, oh shit, that's why. And I'm like, okay, well, like that validation from the motherfuckers yeah. I looked up to, like my family. I was like, oh shit. From then, because by this point, I was already making beats. Because for my seventh birthday, I got a computer. Okay. And we lived in, you know, Cyber, you have Cyber Shadows fucking around there? So we lived in Cyber Shadows. My fucking uncle and my cousins lived like on one side and my mama, we lived on the other side. So uh, now my uncle been doing music since they was cheering. When I got this computer, only shit I had on it was, of course, paint because that come with the computer. Yeah. I had paint and then I got The Sims and then I got Reason. I started Real. making beats and reason. Okay. And at, at seven, eight. Yeah, re- reason was my shit. Now that's why, like, and I miss reason because, like, once I got one, I started doing like FL. Like, I'm, I'm heavy in FL studio now, but I miss reason. Reason was my. I'm thinking about getting reason back, but that shit is high as a motherfucker. Yeah, those programs are expensive. They but, tired uh, of niggas stealing. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, that, them shits is high, but it's worth it though. You know, it, it really is when you it's have worth it. like. Literally, that this one is just light Adobe Audition. I literally pay like what fifteen bucks a month, and it's it's better to have the whole program with them letting you do. I right. just, I don't know. I just feel like I have no problems. Whereas when I was fucking with my torrented Ableton, I had to read type shit in and my shit. security shit every Bro, like four months. Listen. Then the shit would delete it. Like no, nah, that was a hassle. You, I used to torrent. Boy, like one. I used to. I one of my first mixtapes. Made off of all I shot, I edited the video in the torrented premiere. I fucking made all the songs in the torrented FL. Fucking nigga, crack folder saved my life for the first part of my career, nigga. <laughs> let's 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 be real. No, that's one hundred. Okay. Let's be real. So main influences musically, y- musically. Let's go. um. I grew up listening to a lot of Wayne. Ooh, okay. Like Wayne, literally in my opinion, is like the greatest. And then the fact that he's from Louisiana, like. Wayne be saying shit like Wayne could say a bar right now in 2019 that motherfuckers is not gonna catch on to till 2039. Like it's it's some Wayne bars that I'm just now getting from the Carter one, and I'm and you know like I'm not stupid. Like you know I be catching shit, yeah. right? But Wayne be saying some shit, he be like, what the fuck? And it could be the most simple shit. Prime example, I used to work at Wendy's in high school. I remember. I was cleaning the tables in the lobby. They was like, Jaleel, go dust off them tables or some shit like that. Right? 
I was like, and I said to myself, I'm a maid nigga. I should do something. And then it clicked. I was like, oh shit. By maid nigga, he meant butler. But he also so meant maid nigga. I was I like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. I was like, <laughs> yo, that just fucked me up just now. I didn't get that shit. In, like, cause that song came out in fucking middle school. And now mind you, I was I was like a senior in high school when I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That was like a whole like five, six years. I'm like, what the fuck? That shit tripped me out. So that's like so in terms of rap, I want to be that, you know, that's why I I, I I be trying to like do those type of punchlines and shit like that. Like Double bar, bars are important to me. That's um, that's something that we're going to get to before, once you finish your influence. Production wise, Kanye West. Mm. Like Wayne and Kanye, like for a while, which, it was hard Kanye? for me. It was hard for me. I don't even like, like, which, because he always going to be Kanye, just he on some different shit right now. Not saying that it's bad. Cause Jesus King dropped yesterday, I'm kind of fucking with it. I ain't you even gonna lie. It? I ain't even gonna lie. I'm fucking with it. How you feel about how he got to this point? Well, honestly, he. Cause I'm not even mad about like. I always tell. I always say this. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. We can have a different opinion. Right, I'm not even mad about the shit. Right. I'm mad about the misuse of his platform with the whole slave shit. Right. I'm mad about. Now, how once you once you try because what he doing with the Trump shit? He trying to sell to white people. Let's call a spade a spade. Right, that's what he trying to Not do. Not even that. The thing about it is, now see as a political science major, this is how I'm gonna break it down. Now politically, fuck race, fucking niggas with money influence public policy. Big facts, nigga. Like it's interest groups. Like prime example, fucking these. Like when motherfuckers was talking about like how uh. Fucking cars, like air pollution and, and carbon emissions and shit like that. Fucking these gas companies and corporations will fucking lobby politicians and be like, hey, I'm going to throw you X amount of billions of dollars if you don't pass this policy on emissions in California. Yep. You're going to let us keep fucking up the air because we're giving you money for your campaign. We're guaranteeing your win. So once you get in office... Do not fucking pass no laws regulating our cars and shit. So same thing so with taxes and shit. Right. Too. Yes, that's how shit works. Money yep. move fucking everything. So what I'm saying is these celebrities and shit, although Kanye will speak up for us at certain points and a lot of times, you know, but money, once you're in a certain tax bracket, you your race go out the fucking window. Like money is gonna always side with money. Trump is a businessman. Kanye gonna fuck with business people. And that's that's what all celebrities. I don't give oh. a fuck who the fucking celebrity is. Money is gonna side with fucking money. And I agree with that. And that's not even that's not even my problem with it. Let me tell you my problem with it and see how you feel. I feel that in terms of okay, so let's let's not look at the money level, because I agree with that one hundred percent. Let's talk about the under money level where where everybody else is. So in that situation, it's looked at from black people like, oh, you're siding with Trump. But what he's doing is he's trying to get, in my opinion, I think he's trying to get tax breaks. But we don't. That's a whole other side. Money, literally. But come on, yeah. I think he wears the MAGA hat to boost sales in the lower demographics. I think that's something that, being the family he's in, you understand marketing. It goes. It goes hand in hand. And then when you lose us, was the best way to get us back. Jesus, because that's how, and and that's sick to me. Right. But then again. And then this is the argument that a lot of people make. Who are we to say that this is not genuine? Well, oh, and, and, and then and then when that's I was why listen, I'm listen to the and then album. when I was listening to the album, I was like, oh, that was the conflict. I was like, is this genuine? I was like, ah, 
I don't know, but who am I to say it's not? On, who am I to tell somebody if their journey is wrong or right? No, that's but not I just right. do know. Now, when he said that slavery is a choice, shit, I was like, ah, you don't say no type of shit like that. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, <laughs> right? But with like, and then when he tried to clean it up, it kind of made a, more sense. It, but still, I was, was like, still, no, you still like, don't say no type of shit like that. Yeah. What he meant was when he, cause he he prefaced it by talking about like, uh, fucking Nat Turner. And I was about to say Nate Parker, the nigga who played Nat Turner. I was fucked up. I was about to say Nate Parker. I don't, I don't got what you fucking, fucking, he's talking about Nat Turner. And and the nigga in Haiti who uh led their revolution, Toussaint Louverture. Hey, them niggas in Haiti. We, we I'm hold on, I'm, I'm gonna come back to that. But he was what he meant by slavery was a choice was why weren't there more Nat Turners? Like mm-hmm. basically not saying our people chose to be in bondage against their will, but just saying. Nigga, y'all seen Harry Tubman and everybody else rebelling. Come on now, let's get up and do this. Basically, more black people should have been fighting. Now, he could have said I could that, agree yeah. with that, but don't say that shit like slavery was, was a choice. choice. Yeah, that no, shit is stupid. You I know? You. And, and the way you broke that down so eloquently, what made, 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 made me like, yeah, yeah. That feel, could be, yeah, that, you know? Like, yeah. but, but even to that point, it's like, nigga, we don't know what the fuck. We, and we don't man. know. What was, like, was niggas was... Do you understand? Niggas was dying. You no, know, you don't understand how fucking... Hard slavery fucking what like niggas was literally like dying. It's not even dying. Like niggas was I couldn't even imagine. Like first you get transported from your home, you get to some land. The, no, the niggas, you know the niggas at your home sold you out. You know, me and my partners be talking about this at school a lot. We are descendants of some of the strongest motherfuckers. Because you gotta understand, like Fucking travel was wild, like dirt. Like you know, and we how at long, the bottom of the boat. You know too. how long it took to fucking on a on a regular boat. How long it would have took to just get from the fucking fucking Months. the the top of the Mississippi River down to fucking New Orleans. Oh shit! Pro- so th- imagine yeah. coming from across. The Atlantic. Fucking seas, bro. Yeah, no, it months. Like and then and then you on the bottom of the you boat. on a boat with motherfuckers shitting and pissing on you and shit like that. Yep. And you're not eat you eating food that you're not used to, and then like people dying every day on top of you. So what I'm saying, like only the strongest motherfuckers survive. That we come true. from some strong ass shit when you think about it. And think then about on, that shit. And then on top of that, you get you get to where you're going. You forced to work. You don't work. They beat your ass. You you do something. They kill you. Then they taking your families about, and separating, about, raping about your three hundred something, three hundred. 70 something years Oof. yeah that's you, why that's you gotta watch that, you gotta watch your, that shit is a choice you gotta, you like, gotta grow up. up that's that's why it's yeah. disrespectful cause niggas had to grow up watching their grandkids go through that same shit like you had to watch your grandkids get beat just like you got beat and do the same shit you had to do all them fucking years yep and you still working at the same time and right. you, you just quiet you just and quiet then, cause you're not trying and to and you live it every day in fear of getting ripped from your family and sold to somebody else. Big facts. And this motherfucker wanna say slavery was a choice. Now I get what he meant, but don't say that shit like that. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. One hundred percent. And don't don't fucking why would you say some shit like that? Yeah. And even then, don't even say don't even like don't do that. Yeah, you didn't even have to like I like how Wayne takes the these whole approaches like Bro, don't ask me about no politics. I'm not. I right. about, I've talked about fucking bitches. <laughs> but but even then, like you know, don't don't. I don't even like that approach. Oh, you don't like your like fucking when, that approach. Like when when ASAP Rockets out when that when 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 the Ferguson shit was happening. Mm, see, that's di- that. 
I feel you on that. Cause that yeah, that yeah, shit. Because that shit is ignorant. Yeah, that's very. That. No, I'm with you on yeah. that. Like that. Yeah, no, and that's why people. I, I understand why Twitter was making fun of ASAP when he was in jail in Sweden. Like, now Not, you want niggas to care about you, right? But I just watched the Kanye interview, like literally right before I came here. Uh, he was talking some shit about uh, like how it be them type of rappers that be talking about shit that like kills black people and shit like that. But then you wanna be reformed and talk about prison reform, but you rapping about shit that put you there. That's a whole nother mm. I feel like he was I feel like he was throwing shots. And Meek or just in general? And his and his big homie. Oh Jay, yeah, true. Yo. Okay, well my whole thing with that is can people not change? People can change. Cause you was you was rapping about gold digging. You turned out like that gold digger song and then But But you changed now. Nah. So the and And then in that same token how you go from my beautiful dark twisted fantasy to Jesus is how you go from Jesus yeah. to Jesus is king yeah no big facts no, people can you. change though yeah people can change and that's my oof yeah that but he definitely and then, the and then that's me. the argument people can change so who are we to judge him if this is yeah. genuine or not no. I'm just here for the music and the samples because again this is the, the movie talking this is one of my biggest inspirations production wise also Manny Fresh Timbaland I love Timbaland. Timbaland beats made my whole childhood. I do you think he's better at R&B producing or do you think he's better at rap producing? Because his R&B shit is crazy. His R&B shit, like, Timbaland got one of the best R&B catalogs ever. And not just Aaliyah, not just Justin Timberlake. It's the shit you don't know. Yeah. Like, Nicole Ray. Nigga's not even familiar. But she was around that time. The same time they had Aaliyah and Genuine, she was popping. For a while, it was her, Missy, Aaliyah, Genuine, and that group Static Major was in. I think the name was called Player. Everything Timberland was doing all that for all of them, Hard. and none of them beats sounded the same. But he had a sound, and you know when some Timberland shit come on, niggas is rocking. Yeah, big facts. Tim Timbo don't get the credit he deserves sometimes. You know who else don't get the credit, and it makes me so fucking mad. T Pain. T Pain is T Pain. T-Pain, like that's my, T-Pain, Wayne, Kanye, Timbaland, and Manny Fresh. That's like my whole, that's my whole childhood. I'm glad you said T-Pain. I felt so bad when T-Pain oh had to come out and talk about that tour recently because I was like, bro, I done went to the, I would have went to the show. Now, personally, I seen somebody say this on Twitter and I agree. That's just bad marketing. <laughs> because niggas, niggas is going to come out. If T-Pain come out and say he got a tour, I know I'm breaking doors down. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm, go. I'm missing a bill to go see T-Pain. I'm with you on that. That's and that'd be one of if I get a T Pain co-sign, I'm probably gonna cry. Like that'd be the two people, T Pain and Wayne. That's the ones you if want. If I get them, I will cry. Like I probably will literally cry so, if I get a co-sign. And I can tell me. that just from how you how you rap and hearing from 2016 project, the one you dropped in 2016 mm -hmm. on that's on SoundCloud right now. Right. Um from that to hearing the freestyles, I can see not only the influences of Wayne and Pain. I just see the growth in you, and I know I know everybody is excited for a new project, right? And but from the freestyles that we see on Twitter and, and on the internet, you you're 20 years old, mm -hmm. you're young. But I attribute this to growing up with your uncles and everything, being that lyrics are important. Well, yes, because like 
I grew up around like good music. I didn't just listen to rap grind. I listened to, you know, all kind of shit. I guess that's where I'm like my ear for sampling come from. Cause like a lot of the shit I grew up listening to is end up being what I'd be sampling. So like and all it was off to me, I just find it was a correlation between all like all the best shit for me had niggas that was really, really spitting. Okay. Like and I feel like I be having a lot to say. Mm-hmm. And like even like on some freestyle shit, I'ma just like on the freestyle, I'ma just talk about how much better I am than niggas or how I feel like nobody fuck with me. I'm shitting on everybody. But like when it's something that's like really like true to my life, you gotta speak shit on I gotta go. Yes. And if I'ma speak on it, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna be basic with it. I'ma tell you how I really feel and say some cool shit and some shit you can relate to. Cause a lot of times a lot of these songs I'm making be personal, like shit for myself to just let shit out. But then when people, it'd be so weird when people be liking these songs. And a lot of these songs on my upcoming album, like the singles I'm dropping, I wrote these songs like when I was in a dark place, you know, like feeling like bad. And then hearing motherfuckers say, yo, I felt that shit because I be feeling like that. That shit is weird to me because I didn't make those songs with the intentions of motherfuckers feeling like that. That's the power of music. I'm just making this song to say like, yo, this is how I felt. Do that. And, you know. If you it's relate wild. to it, yeah. Right, right. That's what's up. They don't know. That's what's up. So my thing is, with that being said, you, you have a lot to say. You want to get that out. The album's coming soon. What makes you choose to go down this lane that may be seen as harder in 2019 compared to the melodic mumble rap auto-tune scene? Because, like, because... I say like the melodic, and I won't even call it mumble rap because every era has had its mumble rap gimmick. Quote, Not even a yeah gimmick, like you know. Yeah, we had snap rap. Like by always, my generation, there's, had there's always a thing. Lil John and all that. There's shit. always a thing, but those things like the one thing about this lyricism in these bars, that's what this rap was founded upon. Big fan, and it's always gonna come back to bars. Like all, the, it's always gonna come back. Like every few years. We have a debate on who are the best lyricists. Yeah. We never have a debate on who was the best snap rappers. We never had a debate on who's the best mumble rappers. We always gonna talk about lyricists because lyrics are important. And even then, have. even then, some of the niggas who y'all call mumble rappers be having bars. Big facts. Like they call Gunna a mumble rapper, but Gunna says some shit like, "I feel like a child. I got boogers in the face." That is a motherfucking bar. <laughs> Like that shit. When I heard that shit, I was like, oh, "Okay, this nigga spitting. I'm gonna fuck with him." Cause that I like that shit. Yeah. Like lyrics. When a nigga can do some shit with words that make me want to rewind some shit. Like that. That'd be one of my goals too. I want to say some shit that is hard for you to rap back to me, and you gonna have to rewind a couple of times to rap it. Mm. That's the type of shit. Cause I don't be. I don't want motherfuckers. That's to rap the Wayne along. love in you right there. Cause right. that's some Wayne. Shit. I don't want. I don't want you to rap back to me. I want to rap some shit that's hard to rap back. You know? Yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't want to make some shit that's like, I don't like, I don't be, I love when the crowd participate, but I don't want the crowd to be like singing my whole shit. That's what choruses are for. Okay. Like okay. crowd going to sing the chorus. And then when it's time to get to the bars, 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 y'all be quiet and just listen. You got to punch lines. You're going to hear all these, just how, how I'm switching these words. You got to hear this shit. I don't want you to sing it with me. 100%. No, I feel that. So, lyrics are important. We get to why that's in your life. We got your influences. Talk to me when you dropped your first project. My first... Well, we gotta go way back. 
And some of these, none of these projects are available. But talk, talk to me about the first one that is available. Okay. Uh, well, right now, the the project that's available right now is my first album. I you know I called it my first album because I, I it was called Transcendent. Now, I was a junior in no, I wasn't. Yo, I was a junior in high school when we read Into the Wild, right? Okay. And if y'all yeah, you're an educated brother. Let me just say that myself. Appreciate it. One hundred percent. I love having this conversation. If you don't know about Into the Wild, it's like this book about this dude named Chris McCandless. And he studied like he was like a rich dude. He had a good little family. You know, he had family problems just like everybody. But like, you know, he was just on a quest for more, you know. And white people sometimes be having the money and and the the liberties and the leisure to to just go out and do what the fuck they want to do. And he was one of those kids, right? He was like on a journey. Like he was studying the teachings of like Thoreau and and people called transcendentalists who basically like just low-key motherfuckers who like, I don't need none of this worldly shit. I could duck off and, and be happy with simple shit. Like I the idea of transcendentalism is like just being like simple and being just out, like not associating with what the fuck everybody else is doing, because I'll need to be doing whatever the fuck everybody else is doing to be happy. Yeah. Like, I don't need validation from other motherfuckers. So, you can say the J. Cole approach in his career is kind of a transcendentalist. Right, right. So, like, I read that book, and that shit has stuck with me. And I was like, oh, that's what's up. I fucks with this. So, junior year, I started working on that album. Started making beats, chopping, getting samples and shit, writing shit. You Were know? you living like a transcendentalist oh, at that point? Like hell no. Being, maybe, let me not say, like, where you don't need the things of the world, but more so as an introvert, where you was just... Kind right. of off by yeah. yourself, right? In your form, your I had my form I had my own set of partners, yeah. and we, you know, and I, you know, I didn't really. I even in college, like I don't really be going out. I feel like, you on that. Not just because I'm like introverted, because you know I'm sociable. I'm I be loud. I be you know I fucks with my people. Who, you know, but I just find like like comfort in my solitude, which is why this next album is it it all ties sense. in. It's, you gonna feel me? But okay, so transcendent when. I was thinking of this. I was thinking of how do I establish myself as an artist? Because if you Google the the the, the definition of the word transcendent, it's like it, get, it pulls up multiple definitions. And one of the definitions is like to go above and beyond what like what the norm is. And then the other one was like the the you David know, the, the real shit, yeah. Right. So I'm thinking like applying this to myself musically. One, I go above and beyond. I feel the, like what's going on in like. Well, like, because I was just thinking on a local scale, like, in terms of, like, Lafayette musicians, I feel like, hey, I could, I, you know, I'm doing some some, some, some next level shit, you know? Yeah. Right? And and then in terms of, like, actually the 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 the, the definition that, you know, Chris McCandless was looking at, like, just not having to do what niggas got to do. You know, I'm different in that sense. I ain't got to be on no, you know, shit like that. So I'm... That's what that was the goal behind this music, establishing myself, showing y'all I'm not like y'all. I'm different. I could do this all myself, right? One hundred percent. So that album had fifteen songs on it. Well, sixteen. It had a bonus track. Bro, I'm shocked that you was a junior making this thing about back when I was listening to it. Like, I I definitely thought you was about to come in here tell me you was like twenty five, twenty six. Nah, and, like nah, that was when you was nah. like in your early twenties. Like, like that's crazy yeah. that you was on. You was a junior yeah. in high school and made that. That's a dope project. That shit came out on my 18th birthday. Real okay. So I started making it. I was like seventeen. Uh, fucking. So yeah, I'm making this shit. It had fifteen songs, sixteen because a bonus track. But the bonus track wasn't talking about shit that had anything to do with the album. That's why it was a bonus track. Um, 
I made 14 of the 15 songs on the album. Mm-hmm. And the fifth one was made by one of my partners or whatever. And it was just like the like it was it was it was so it was so like fire to go through that process of making that album because like I learned a lot about myself as an artist and musically, you know? And like it the way it was received, like cause that when I, I like people started making noise about my music in Lafayette. I was like, oh shit. Niggas now they finally it. realizing it. Because before that, I you know I had a couple, you know, I had a few projects out. But I was only like known like in my school and and like at Lafayette High, you know, it wasn't really nothing. Which part Because like, the girl I was talking to went to Lafayette High. At and the time. she she probably spread that around. Yeah, you know. No, one hundred percent. Appreciate it for that, but you know. So word, so the it drops. You're pushing junior. You uh between seventeen and eighteen. Your girl pushing it, all the stuff before you is your homies. But then when this one drops, the trans the transcendent project drops. It's like, all right, Lafayette's now embracing me, or maybe not embracing me yet, but they I'm on I'm on the right. radar. So what happens was I I don't know why I do this, but I drop I be dropping on my birthday. Okay, that's lot. your thing. Like in December, December twenty third usually my shit, and my upcoming album is dropping December twenty third. <laughs> in the back, whoa, 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 whoa. fucking. Transcended dropped on my 18th birthday. And that was the first album I started cussing on because everything before that, it was no cussing. I was just like, fuck it. I don't need I'm to do 18. I'm going to just do it. Uh, and that was also like when Jaden Smith started cussing. Mm. When he turned 18, he dropped it. I forgot the name of the song. But I that was actually the instrumental I used for the bonus track because okay. he started on like, he Because I think we're the same age. Okay. His... On his 18th birthday, he dropped the song. It was like his first time cousin. That album, me being 18, that was gonna be the first album. I, but I did make a clean version because you know where yeah, you, know, you know for people to right. In case you need my mama don't. Yeah. My, at first, my mama didn't want to be hearing me cuss, but now she like, oh well, yes. that's you want to do. That's you want to do. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's how that happened. Then a year later, uh, because this dropped December of my senior year. I started working like so. This is August, August of my twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Okay. No, it, yeah, December twenty sixteen. I graduated okay. twenty seventeen. December senior year, boom. Went to Xavier freshman year. Xavier, you know, making a little noise because performing songs from that album. Okay. Because like cool. we had a talent show orientation week. You know, like all the freshmen, you know, showcase their talent. I rapped this song on that album called uh, Melody Monroe. Just like, because Xavier, the population is like, it's only like about 4,000 students, but 3,000, not even 3,000, probably like 3,500 of those it's is black. women. Oh, it's, it's black women. women. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that. I'm going to capitalize on this shit. Talent show did that Melody Monroe song. They love that shit, you know? Or whatever, and I guess that kind of solidified me as like an artist on campus or whatever. And from there, I just built up like this, this love and respect for the people on my campus, and now they like support me, and it feels good. Now, now you know Como, like these mm-hmm. high schools in Lafayette, like they kind of mixed and like you know, yeah, like it was hard to kind of like find my fan base because I was like stuck in the middle, like you know, and you know whatever. But now at this HBCU, it's like. They got on my back and they riding for me and I loved them for that shit. That shit is fucking amazing. So you, just a side note, you drove from New Orleans today. 
I know. I drove from New Orleans. Yeah, I had a show last night. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you performed at uh, the Halloween Halloween joint. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to my nigga Lamont and the Never Die team, man. They doing their thing. I'm, I can't wait to get them uh, on here. Matter of fact, we recording this on October 26th. Uh, it's fucking Lamont's birthday, so I don't know when this coming out, but it'll be out this Thursday. But fucking so. happy birthday, Lamont. Uh, you my nigga, you been rocking with me. I just wanted to say this to you, bro, on some real shit. I fucks with you. Matter of fact. Y'all need to get this nigga on this because... <laughs> That's what we... Yeah. We in talks. I'm waiting for his project. I'm waiting for him to let me know when he dropping some stuff because he already know the deal. I, I, want, I actually asked him to come on here before you. No, right. That's like no disrespect or anything. That's yeah. like you, we already talked off air how, yeah, I, how I found about you. But right. yeah, and that's that's awesome that you go to HBC. How do you... Did you want to go to one? Yes. I, I actually want to go to Howard, not because of HBC, but because of their good law program, right? Hell but yeah. They wasn't giving me enough money and my mama didn't want me to go that far anyway and she wanted me to go to LSU she was like ah, I'm not fucking with that uh, <laughs> but then Xavier gave me a nice little scholarship and I was like well shit I'm gonna do that and then yeah this is a fire ass choice 100% that's what that's I always like to ask people who go to HBC well let me not say people African Americans like like ourselves who go to to uh who go to HBCUs was the difference cuz I don't go to HBCU mm-hmm. I go to a public college at UL mm-hmm. right. so it's like do you feel being that you came from a mixed school like do you feel the difference do you do you think it's more of get, getting in touch with your roots do we like it's, it's what do you think the benefits come from going to HBCU more for African of like a community Okay. And it just feel like home. Because a lot of times, now mind you, like in school, I was always like the straight A student. I'll be in honest classes, but a lot of times I'll be the only nigga in these classes. Yep. No, and I when I say nigga, about. I don't mean male. Nigga, I mean like black person. Like I was, I'll be like, it'd be like me and one of the nigga in there. And like, it would literally, like the most black people I've seen in like an honest class with me in, in all my years of school would be like three people. Yeah, I know. Like three, I know like it, you know? But in these class, like at a HBCU, where everybody here and everybody intelligent, that's like awesome. oh shit, it's like, like a vibe. Shit. Niggas, niggas is fucking like thriving. Niggas is like fucking niggas is fire. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, like 100%. at this HBCU, like everybody doing some major shit. Like like right now I'm a junior, and like this is a niggas getting internships and shit like that. Niggas. Niggas getting like fellowships. Niggas is, is deciding where they want to go. Grad school, shit like that. I'm narrowing down law schools and shit like that right now. Uh, like niggas is fire. Like black people be on some fire shit. Like I don't, and I don't think I could be like succeeding like this if I went to a PWI. I just, you know, I feel like this was for me. You 100%. know what I'm saying? It, it, and it it helped you grow. Right. And then on top of that, it is giving you a, a base that's gonna support you. Until you blow, even when you blow, Facts. and until like until you until you st- hang up the microphone, you know Facts. what I mean? They're gonna be with you forever, and that's right. something that's awesome. Next thing I want to touch on because I your political science major, mm. I used to be a political science major, gonna get my mm. my degree in that. Um, I want to ask you, you got any favorite philosophers? Uh, well, I'm taking a, a, a class called political thought right now, and I after reading like because you know like. When you, I'm a sociology minor, and we do a lot of reading there too. Okay. But like, after seeing some of the shit niggas used to be saying, I don't really fuck with like Aristotle. <laughs> I used to think, I used to think like in middle school and high school, I used to think Aristotle was one of the finest like you know thinkers ever. 
Aristotle was a wild motherfucker. Yeah. And like <laughs> niggas don't know how Aristotle felt about slavery. Oh, that's yeah. Like, Aristotle was like basically. But let me nigga, give him, let me give him some slight because that is during the Roman right, and that's right. not that's not the slavery we right. think of. That's right, what, yeah. But still, like just just the idea of somebody being in bondage in a, in a subservient role, yeah. And like you just got to be okay with it. He was like, in order to be like a, like a functioning member of society, you just got to accept that you inferior to men. Like we, I remember one of his teachings. It was some along the lines of a woman is on the like the same like social status as a slave. Y'all just gotta be okay with that. Like he 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 defined like three like relationships like parent and child, husband and wife, master and slave. slave. And it was like that's your three. And if you at the bottom of those, you just gotta accept that you're at the bottom, and you can't do shit about it. Yeah, that's why I'll be right. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, I couldn't yeah, really I'm fuck not. with that. I used to. I used to think Aristotle was like that Man. nigga. I was like, oh, fuck that. No, I, I would say mine is John. Is uh is John Locke. For oh. the beliefs of like tabula rasa, and mm-hmm. I like his ideas on humanity in mm-hmm. the sense of I truly don't believe humans are naturally evil. I like Thomas Hobbes and the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. I think we come in this world as a blank slate, and our experiences and our education form us into what we are. And his idea of like liberty, like niggas just yeah being free to do whatever the fuck. Without you him, do. I don't know if if Thomas Jefferson yeah would have shit. all his shit. Nah, yeah. probably not. Probably not. But then again, you gotta understand some of these niggas when they say like liberty, like oh they talking about for they not apply it did never apply to us yeah no one hundred percent but like at the core it makes sense ideally and like in in theory the shit fire but you gotta understand the shit didn't apply to us when it was applying to them and that's why it all and honestly without that verbiage in there it wouldn't have made white abolitionists because we was fighting for us we was always right. gonna fight for us it wouldn't have made they started to question like well if this is true we freedom for all man why are we treating these people like this right and that and that was kind of the, the, the thing that got them into it to help us but at the same time it's like that was never for us at, because at the all. argument was like the some not because some abolitionists wasn't for the cause for the freedom of slaves some abolitionists was you know because the North wasn't made like the I'm gonna say the Union the, before before the before they seceded and shit. The Union wasn't making money mm. like they was making down here. Yeah, big facts. Like niggas, you know, it's crazy. Like and they kind of controlled the government in the right. sense that they had the more votes due to the right. Yeah, they wasn't making money like the motherfuckers down here was making off of slavery. So they was like, you know, that's why a lot of abolitionists, if you look, came from the, the North. North. Yep, because it's like the 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 main goal was like okay. We need to be on the same like like economic yeah, playing field because y'all, y'all control too much. much shit going on down here. Yep. Like Louisiana, nigga, Louisiana is Louisiana been terrible. Like Louisiana been fucking terrible. But Louisiana <laughs> niggas have made so much money off black people forever. Big facts. Like fucking forever. Big. Like big that facts. shit is crazy. Like. Mother black people been exploited down here for so fucking long. I'm saying been like the shit still not going on, but like forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when we talk about like Locke and all them niggas, that shit was never meant for us. For us, yeah. No. But the reason, like the argument these abolitionists was making, like this how they got to the other white people. They were saying the 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 mother country, uh, Great Britain. That's how they was treating y'all. Yeah. When they was imposing taxes and shit like that, 
and y'all we all felt like they was infringing y'all rights. Y'all doing that to the black people. Times 10. But that was just the argument yeah. to say we want the same money y'all getting off of this slavery. Big fact. Mind you, this was all before industrialization and this before niggas was in factories and shit like that. And then when that shit popped off, the niggas, union had the Niggas didn't have slaves like that. Yeah. You know, up north. So that's why they wanted to freeze slaves. Like, niggas get it twisted like niggas care. Some people care. Yeah, but, for the, but it, care. Was, it yeah. goes back to our, our point. I love how when the podcast ties together to early things, it goes back to that point where Money controls America. Right. It's a capitalist society, and them niggas did not want y'all with the power because y'all had slaves. Exactly. Fuck out of here, exactly. nigga. But yeah, that no, one hundred percent. Shit. Well, niggas, niggas didn't give a fuck about. Black so people. new album coming, coming uh later this year before the year ends. Facts. Anything you could tell us on about? Oh uh, well, this album. Now, mind you, I, I wrote this album because we gonna get you back and we gonna uh, do a deep facts. album breakdown. Facts. But, uh, this album is called The Perks of Solitude. Uh, Ooh, okay. I wrote this album like between the the summer after my freshman year in college up till now because I'm still writing even though this shit come out in a month. It's going to work. It's let gonna me, pop Let me off. do a quick detour. What makes it important for you because this is something that in this era this is something where you're also different as well. Not only do you do bars, not only do you try to maintain rap of old, a lot of these young niggas, people your age, make projects in the night, in the day. Uh-uh, no. Talk to me we about why. Time. We ain't got time for this shit. Because when you say I want from some freshman shit. year to not, that's just about to be some shit. Like, I'm excited. I want some shit that, like... Now, mind you, I'm making this because I really, like, I feel this shit. And I, it's taking long because I wrote these songs when I was feeling that shit. Yeah. And, like, like you know, in college, and they say you're supposed to find yourself and shit. I'm fucking... I'm not even... I'm, I, just fuck, I just turned 20 last year. I'm about to be 21 when the album dropped on my birthday. Fucking... I ain't even be good. Niggas don't be finding themselves till they're that fucking 35. I was about to say, I'm just long, starting to figure out long fucking t- I'm <laughs> have a long fucking time to fucking find myself. But this album is about that journey, right? Trying to find, like, that peace, right? Yeah. It's a lot of shit. You know, like, I've been fucking broke all my life. I was homeless at a point in time and shit like that. Like, and just overcoming oh, all man. that shit. And then, like, in college, you know, like, I'm, I'm on some real shit. No sim shit. I'm a hopeless romantic. Like I'm trying to like you know. Yeah, you're trying I'm to trying find to find me that one woman and do what the fuck I got to do with that one woman and shit like I that. Feel you on you that, know, bro. like on some real shit. But like everybody in college is they want to. Now mind you, Ooh, college, college is supposed to be your years where you up. college supposed to be your years where you fuck around. And I'm not really fucking around like that. You know, I do my shit, but I'm not yeah. like fucking around, fucking around. And I feel like you know, like what's the fun in that? You know, if you got that one woman, you be. Yeah, no, you know, no sense to ruin that. It'd yeah. be different when y'all, you know, yeah. Yo, bro, I'm glad you said you're a young, you're a very, I, I keep also, saying this, you're a very ahead of your time and intelligence. Like, that. Appreciate that shit. But I wish some, I'd have known that when I was your age. On some real, real shit, though. Like, you know, and I, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be having my fun. Yeah, like, no, don't, yeah. don't get it twisted. You know, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. This is fucking, I'm fucking <laughs> just saying, you know what I'm saying? You know, you gotta, you gotta feel me. But, like, that shit get old. Like, you know, yeah. I wanna be like, you know, I want to be able to tell you, you know how they motherfuckers be like, yeah, I'm fucking with enough strings attached. I kind of want the strings. I want to fuck with some, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to say what I'm trying to, you know what the fuck I'm trying to say, you know? Uh, you're, trying to, you're trying to find the one, man. You right. You want to. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that at all because the niggas that get 30 and don't find the one, they're the ones that's the depressed niggas right. out here in these streets. I got to, like, and I got one of the songs on this album is called, it's like looking, like looking for love in all the wrong places. I got a bar. It's like I'm a hopeless romantic. Probably could jost the whole planet, but I get sick and tired of dealing with these hoes and their antics. 
that shit, like <laughs> that shit I'm there. Ra- listen, listen, this shit is, and then like it's like emotionally taxing friendships and shit like that. Mm. Like just motherfuckers just going through different paths. Like this, they're still your partners, but like it's just shit between y'all. It's like ah. That nigga doing him, I'm going to do me. It's going to be what the fuck it's going to be. Yeah. But then, and you cut motherfuckers off. But then at a certain point, it's like, damn, I'm lonely. Now, that's like, now the album is called The Perks of Solitude. This is supposed to be, now, when you hear that title, you think I'm going to be talking about the good shit about being no, alone. Talking about, no, I'm talking about man. the positives and the fucking negatives. Because one of the perks is realizing, wait, I can't be alone all the fucking time. Because you're going to keep pushing motherfuckers away. You're not going to have nobody. Yo. So I got a song called Mr. Scissorhands And it's literally me like Yeah fuck people I don't need people I'm cutting people off Bow 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 The song that come on right after that Is called Nobody's Fault And it's like I'm lonely But that's nobody's fault But mine Because in the last song I just told you I'm cutting people off But now I need motherfuckers Because I ain't got nobody Riding for me And yeah, shit like that So yeah it's a lot of shit going on Don't it's, say no more about this album Because I'm going on. If that little tease right there Got me excited I know the listeners Should be hella excited Right, right. In November 20 December 23rd December December 23rd Yes sir My bad December 23rd We will Yes I will definitely help you Promote that I'm excited for this Cannot wait Let's get into uh, A little bit Towards the end of the thing We do rapid fire But before that I want to ask you Yo, talk to me about the Twitter love that you've been getting. Talk to me listen, about that, cause yo, that shit has been crazy. How shit, that made you feel? Listen, I don't like this shit. Be tripping me the fuck out, cause like these, like these cosigns from these major niggas, especially niggas I be listening to like on a daily basis. Yeah, trip me the fuck out. The first one, the first major one that really it was like Carlos Miller. And like Carlos Miller is a funny motherfucker. Yes, he is. Like Carlos Miller is fucking hilarious. That's one of the best podcasts. Like, one out day, eighty five South Show. Facts. I love that shit. Fucking one day he tweeted. He was like, "All upcoming rappers, put your shit under this." Uh, you know. Yeah. And I missed it. Like I was like hours late. I didn't think he was gonna say nothing at all. And he was just retweeting people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna retweet the fire shit. Yeah. But he quoted my shit and said. These punchlines is fire. Hell now, and, yeah. and, and, and and coming from a comedian, that's so crazy because rapping and, and being a comedian go hand in hand. hand, hand. Yep. Because like it's that same part of the brain. Like it, like to freestyle, because comedians freestyle just like we freestyle. They just not it's not to it's not just to a different beat. rhythm. Yeah. They got a rhythm, but they rhythm not like my rhythm. They do the same shit, the same kind of punch. Like they know when to hit them and when not to hit them. And that's it's, why when they do the comedy rap, it just it, it flows because they know because they, they know what the fuck it is. And my friends tell me I'm a funny motherfucker. Like I get it. Like comedians and rappers go hand in fucking. So when he said that shit, knowing that somebody whose whole fucking career is punchlines, telling me my punchlines fire. It's like I'm, I'm fucking doing the right. right thing. And, and and I can see why. Just real quick, I can see why these things you're gonna say, not necessarily mean a lot, but it just. It gives you the motivation to continue because you haven't dropped a project since back oh, I, then. Ah, I dropped some shit in between. Oh, in between the because uh, I dropped on my 19th because Transcendent dropped on my 18th birthday. When I turned 19, the next year, December 23rd, I dropped this project called 19. That's not that's on SoundCloud. Yeah, and then last year, December, I dropped 20. Two W E N T Y. I guess it was like a birthday series. I was like, fuck it. Cause while I'm while I'm working on this Perks of Solitude album, I'm gonna just keep feeding y'all shit to don't don't forget who the fuck oh, the goat okay. is. You know okay, what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm seeing I'm seeing the t- yo, okay, so that was in tracks. My ass was looking in uh, Right, so yeah, I mean, 19, 20. Now, 20 is where 
One of the songs from 20 is what Carlos Miller commented on and said the punchlines is fire. Okay. Like 20, it had, 20 was just two songs. It was a freestyle to this exhibit beat and a freestyle to Sold Out, Lil Baby, and Gunna Beat. Now that Sold Out Date shit is my biggest song to date, and that's what's getting these cosigns. Now, Carlos Miller commented on that, and then the month after that, J.I.D. And I remember, I remember being in high school, and I was like telling people, J.I.D., this that new nigga. J. Cole just signed this nigga, bro. Check this shit out. Because J.I.D. dropped his first album like in November, right before I was about to drop Transcendent. Okay. I was like, this is that nigga, bro. You got to listen. J. Cole just signed this nigga something, but nobody was trying to hear that. Nobody, you know. Niggas do that shit all Right. <laughs> but I was like, bro, this nigga's going to be the greatest. So fast forward. This nigga tweeted some shit like, if you really listen, there's some niggas really rapping. And then some nigga commented to him and was like, yeah, but y'all be giving that trash shit energy. He said, well, don't give it energy. And I quoted, I added him. I said, hey, nigga, give this energy. Within like 30 minutes, he's like, bro, I like this shit. Keep Hell going. yeah. Boy, when I tell you I could have died, like, I was running through my house. I was like, mama, mama. Okay, cool. Fast forward. Uh, Who else was after that? I don't remember. Was it Schoolboy and Missy? Yeah, but Meek Dream Chasers Twitter had liked Ooh, something. Ooh, I see. I didn't right. even know that. Right, that I happened. I knew the J.I.D. to Carlos. Fast forward to uh my junior year, cause that happened my that happened the summer after my sophomore year. The so last year. Okay, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Soph- the the summer the summer before this semester right now. All right, cool, cool. So schoolboy Q, I don't even know what I said to schoolboy Q. Oh, he see his crash tour coming up for the crash talk album. Oh, didn't you say something like a openers? Or I say, hey, I say one day Q, I'm gonna be touring with you. I'm in class. Phone blowing up. This nigga, I don't know why, cause, <laughs> cause like, and I've never seen no kind of notifications coming this fast before ever. Yeah. And mind you, at this time, I'm still only like at two thousand followers. All right. And that took me long to get because in high school I had like eight hundred followers and I was trying to push this music. So uh, phone blowing up. I'm in class. What the fuck is going on? I look, and on the phone it goes. Schoolboy Q quoted your tweet. I could have pissed on myself. This shit said, <laughs> this nigga told me one day I might open up for you. Nigga, I could have died. I couldn't sit still in class. Okay, so mind you, like I told you earlier, I do work study. I get out of class. I go straight to work study, right? So, you know, I'm doing what I do. I'm on a computer. You know, I forgot what I was doing. Then somebody DMs me and say, bro, did you see Missy Elliott? commented on this too <laughs> now mind you like I said earlier Big Timbo I fan I grew up on fucking Timberland and fucking Missy like Missy at like a point in my childhood Missy was like when I was like three I used to love Missy video you know Missy videos is always that the shit the best man she had that girl she put that girl on who became an actress Allison Stone Ooh, or whatever facts facts Missy when Missy said that shit I could have died now my mama and my, I'm in a group chat with my mama and my aunt and like they be on Twitter a lot but you would never know because, you know, they'd be on Twitter and like they was they screenshot my shit or screenshot shit people say to me and be like, this shit is fire. Like when niggas, <laughs> when niggas be like, when niggas be like, bro, I'm from Ghana and I'm fucking with you. My mama send me that shit and be like, ah. Worldwide. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, fuck yeah. So, uh, I love that moms and aunts support when, when you they like send, they When they screenshotted that shit and sent that to me, I was like, oh. I could have died when Missy said some shit. And then the most recent one, was Ebro. One day, 
Well, like Big Sean liked it, but he didn't say nothing. That that's still Earth yo, Gang. What the Earth fuck? Gang. Earth Gang liked it, didn't say nothing. Fire. Saba liked it, didn't say nothing. But I opened for Saba already. Met him. Like, that's a cool ass nigga. Um, but then Ebro, and you know Ebro, Ebro is like very particular with his and shit, what yeah. he likes and what he put like you know what he supports. When I saw Ebro retweet my shit one day, I was like, oh shit, he fucking with that. But then. Day before yesterday, I sent him something again, just seeing what you he was going to say. The nigga quoted it and really? was like, bro, you did that shit. I could have died, son. I could have died. That is what's up. And that just shows you that like you're on, the, you're on your way. They're going to feel me. Yeah, you're on your way for sure. One of my one of, one of the people that support me on Twitter, because I don't be wanting to say fans because that shit is weird. Uh, one of the people that support me on Twitter, I be saying real, recognize real. He said, "No, nigga, you should say real, recognize Lil." I'm gonna start saying that shit. Yeah, I like I like how that shit sounds. It does. I like how that shit sounds. So I got a question for you. So in the video that I saw that uh that um my friend sent me because I got to give credit to what credit is due. My the, the host of Primetime, my guy Charles, mm-hmm. actually sent me your music and was like, "Yo, Lynn, check this out. This dude got to come on the pod. Like he is one of the best rappers I've heard in a while." Like, and I checked it out and I was like, I appreciate that shit, by the way, bro. This shit is dope as fuck, yo. Like, what the hell? So how did you come up with that concept? Is I still don't know, and don't and don't get mad at me for not knowing. That's you rapping against you, huh? Yes, and okay. me and me in the car. Okay. Now Woo. you know it's crazy. I was tripped I was tripped concept, out because I thought that was two different niggas, and then you like I was like People say that a lot. The concept of battling yourself in the video, like niggas have been doing that forever. Yeah. Like nigga, that's like, you know, and niggas be on Twitter acting like I'm the first nigga to do that. Niggas been doing that since 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 fucking hip hop videos was hip hop videos. Niggas been. But niggas ain't done it in a while. Yeah. I was like, niggas ain't niggas ain't bad. And then at this caliber of rap, like niggas, niggas ain't definitely ain't niggas ain't done it. And that's why the, it was refreshing. And, like for And real, I feel for like real. the the part that makes it so interesting is like niggas have done it, but niggas ain't never made a third nigga watch themselves. Niggas ain't never it niggas, was a fire yeah. like, niggas ain't never you. sat and watched themselves battle themselves and then react to themselves battle themselves yeah. that's yeah that's what did it you know how, how important are for this next project how important is the visuals the visuals are actually like actually gonna tell the story more in the song ooh okay like cause like the song you hear the song you gonna relate to the song but the actually seeing is. it play out cause I got some shit that song I was talking about the looking for love the visual I got coming for that <laughs> now, nah, 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 when I come, now nah, when I come back, when I come back, I should, I should, damn, I wish I no, videoed this when shit. I come back, that would have been a meme. <laughs> when I come back, the video should be out. Okay, cool. And we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna need to see how you feel about it. Cause listen, listen, it's it's crazy. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy. I swear, if we video it's recorded crazy. this pod, your face that you made to me would have hey, been. Hey, I get so, like I the... get so passionate about this rap. <laughs> no, shit, bro. that's awesome, bro. That means that you gotta have that passion because you believe in yourself, man. Facts. And let me tell the listeners before we get to rapid fire this: for all the artists out there that listen to this podcast that are young that think they can't go to college and and go to school while they do their stuff. Nigga, J Cole did it. Shit, J saying. J Cole, my the guy we had on the podcast, Fucking Kenny Mills, Ninth Wonder did it, Fonte did it. A lot of motherfuckers did it. You, you can you, you can do this shit. You, you got to balance that shit. And though. it's not even like it's. I'm not even saying this. It's not like that's your main plan. It's just my mom always told me, as a black man, you got to have backups, right? Just in case. And I, and I don't. And I and I think the the idea gets misconstrued where it's like 
people say that, oh, you don't believe in yourself because you have a backup plan. No, no nigga. motherfucker. I, I, I have... just, just want to have some shit to do just in case this shit. Yeah, because shit happens. And then even even if you're doing it, I want to have money to support my, my, my creative dreams. Right. No, 100%. Fuck yeah. Let's get to the rapid fire. For sure. We ask everybody this. Look, first one I ask, I ask them, are you an ass man or a tit man? I got to ask you. Listen, That's honestly, honestly, I've been an ass man all my life. Same. But, but I'm, I'm starting to appreciate titties more. Okay, I'm, really? I'm starting to appreciate titties for real. 100%. Favorite movie? The Wood. Ooh, okay. That's, a, that's one of my favorite movies. That's, that's your for, favorite hood movie too? For Yeah. Because for a while, I'm going to tell you why. Because for a while... Like we didn't have cable, and oh, like okay. we had that shit on fucking VHS. I used to run that. Sh- that was my shit. The Wood is my and shit. And I see why. That's yo, a funny ass fucking movie. It's hilarious. Like, that's my shit. And I know niggas might who might not have seen The Wood won't get this, but if you have, you understand why this this being his favorite movie is so amazing because it's another tie into the podcast that I didn't expect to get to where we tie back to you being a hopeless romantic as well as yeah, that's the, shit. The, the lonesome of you cutting off your friends and shit. Like, no, that's, that's right. that. Yeah. Like, that's that, the that movie. That movie was my shit. Hell that yeah. Fucking Are you a big movie. movie fan? It depends. Like, I don't, I'm not into, I'm not into like Marvel. I'm trying to get into Marvel movies. I feel you. Because I watched fucking Thor Ragnarok and that shit fucked me up. But then they was like, no, you like that. You got to watch the other shit that leads up to this shit to see why. Because that shit was a fire-ass movie. No, Thor and, that was, was. and that was the... Well, I saw the Spider-Mans, but like, you know, that's just Spider-Man. Like, they told me you got to actually watch the shits to see how they coincide. I'm not going to even tell you to watch that. If you want to watch Marvel, do that. But I'm saying in terms of artists, I think you should watch some cinematic directors to like get your... I just think because of the way you think... Right. And the way you make things, I think you'll get some cool shit from that, like the Tarantinos, the Christopher Nolans, oh, yeah, I the mean, Scorsese's. Like, I, fucks, I, I fucks with Tarantino. And Tarantino, apparently, he only doing 13 movies and he finished. He, he almost I, done. I, ain't yeah. he like on like 10 now? Yeah. That shit he just did, well, Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. Hollywood yep. Yeah. He almost he done. He almost done. Yes, sir. He got he, Them Kill Bills. The fucking, That's what I was thinking. Like, I was like, yo. Django was my sister. shit. Yeah. Django was my shit. But Django yeah, was a great movie. Thirteen, that's a fire ass career. No, to say you're doing thirteen, and, and it's that's all it. original too. That's and, the thing. And them shits is fire. That's what. That's he what nice. I love yeah, he about nice. him. He nice. Because when you do something where Christopher Nolan is a great director, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, he still did Batman, and Batman put him on the map. Right. Tarantino did that all off of his own ideas, and like and, that's and, crazy. And you ain't seen shit like it. No, one hundred percent. Favorite uh, TV show. Favorite TV show, uh, Martin. Ooh, so in the Fresh Prince Martin debate, I'm you, going. I'm you, going, you going Martin. Martin, yeah, I'm going Martin. Yo, I fuck with Martin. Um, do you think Martin's better than like Different World, Living Single, Jamie Foxx? So do you think it's Whoa, the best black as, show? That's that. Nah, that's that's too much. <laughs> I, I fucks with Living Single. Uh, Jamie Foxx was fired too. Yeah, but I'm gonna still go Martin. Martin, because I'm like Martin. Yeah, Martin is that shit. Over, Martin over Cosby Show and uh, Different World too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, Family Matters too. Yeah, Word. I didn't even really like Family Matters. Like Me that. neither. But <laughs> fucking yeah, Martin is that shit. Martin 100. is that shit. Hell yeah! So you're not a big. You don't watch no sports at all. Oh, I fuck with I, I fuck with football, and like I don't really watch basketball. I fuck with football though. Favorite football team? Honestly, I'm, I'm not. Even yeah, don't lie. even don't lie. We want to know. Fuck it. 
I'm a Pates fan, and the niggas niggas be you know giving me flack about that, but you know I'm around with that. And when I do watch basketball, I was fucking with the Celtics. Well, you said you a a, a Pates. Oh, Patrick, yeah, Patriots. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, now, cool. Basketball, I fuck with the Celtics. I ride with the Celtics, but we're not really doing nothing right now. Y'all got a shot, man. Let me tell you, y'all got with Kemba and uh, t- it depends. Y'all team gonna depend on how good Tatum and Brown are. Right now, well, we wasn't really. Hmm. When we had when we had uh little Isaiah, we was kind of popping. But before that, we were doing shit was we were, we weren't doing shit. Like last time, we was really really popping. KG, when we had Pierce, the big three, yeah. the big three, yeah. And then fucking Ray Allen took his ass to the fucking heat and just. <laughs> Ooh, so you don't like LeBron then, huh? No, I, I fucks with. I oh, know, okay, I, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, see. but but I guess I don't know why Ray Allen left. Like I guess he left because everybody else rings, was, yeah. And he wanted to, you know. 100%. But that is what that is. If you could go anywhere on vacation, where would you go? Bora Bora. Hell yeah. 100%. And my final question that we ask everybody, this is something that we everybody gets asked. If you're the writer, director, producer to the Jay Sands movie, how do you want that movie to end? Shit. Uh, I want that movie to end with me and my family in a big house somewhere. Carefree, good health, all that shit, all the shit, all the shit I ever wanted for myself. I just wanted me helping people and like, cause like, and like being a political science major, I'm, I'm, I I want to. We didn't even talk about this. I want to go into either juvenile defense or education policy. Okay, so you like, want to still rap and be a lawyer, like one hundred. Well, I mean, at a certain point, I feel like I'm gonna graduate to a different kind of music, like jazz music. You know, yeah. when niggas get older, niggas do that, but. No, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. Rap was just my thing. You got to remember, mm-hmm. like, Nick, you know, I didn't play sports or no shit. Rap was my, just, yeah, that was that's my your thing. shit. But this law shit, I'm trying to change niggas' lives. Like, on some real that's shit. Like, up. Yeah. Yeah, niggas, yeah. Niggas going to say. So at some point, you putting the pen down and, and pick, picking up the pen in a different way. Well, like, range. in law school, when I, when, I, when I go to law school, you know, you got to really focus in. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm, I'm going to drop. After this, Perks of Solitude, I feel like this shit going, you know, this is going to do big numbers. But like fucking after that, I'm gonna drop one more. I'm gonna sit down for my three years in law school, come back out. Now I'm also thinking about taking a gap year to just do music full time. And just give I've it a also shot. been yeah, just to see what pop yeah. off. And if it pop off, I'm not gonna not go to law school because you can defer your LSAT score for five years. And then so let's say some shit pop off. I'm gonna defer that. I'm a tour, and, and then I'm gonna go to law school. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what the fuck I'm gonna do. I'm not. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm not. But that that just lets us know that we have a limited. No, let me not let me not say limited, but we have a. There's at least fans of Jay Sands will know there's when it's over, it's over. I never said it's gonna be over. Oh, okay. I said, I said I might graduate to jazz music. Or some shit like that, but music always gonna be. It's in always my gonna heart. be out. That's, okay, cool. Yeah, that's. But my, that's when my I say shit. it's when when rap finishes, you know when you. When when you when put I, down the yeah when I rap. put it down when I put it down to do my law school shit y'all just gotta bear with me yeah nigga I gotta focus you know you gotta do your thing right one hundred percent man thank you thank you so much for coming on this podcast appreciate you for having I, me bro. I really enjoyed this conversation like like we've been saying we gonna get you back after you drop the album probably the week at we'll talk about that on fair that's something that I don't have to say on there tell the for people sure. where they can find you at on social media um you can find me on Twitter at j underscore underscore s a n d you find me on Instagram at J underscore S dot A dot N dot D. Uh, if that's confusing, I have a website, jsandmusic.com, J-S-A-N-D music.com. And then 
you can find all my social media. All I got two SoundClouds. I got a Bandcamp. Uh, you know, if you ever confused on where to get my music or how to find me, just jsandmusic.com and that's gonna take you everywhere I'm at. They even got my Tumblr up there. Just you know, just for some you can you, you yeah. can find me. Yeah, you know, one hundred percent. Y'all make sure y'all go follow my my boy Jsand. Great artist. Like I like we talked in the pod, man. His freestyles are incredible. I love Transcended. I can't wait to go listen to 2019 because that's what that I didn't even know that shit was out. I'm going to jam that as soon as we leave from here. But in terms of if you when you people say lyrics are dead, lyrics are not dead. Not, lyrics yeah, are alive. You just got to do the thing to look for them. And this is a an amazing artist from Lafayette. If you're from Lafayette, and if you're not from Lafayette, Dallas, Houston, our fans that listen out there, you guys should definitely check this out. I don't Facts. co-sign niggas that I don't think is fire, and this Facts. nigga is fire. Facts. Thank you, thank you Appreciate so much, Jay Sam, for coming thank on. Thank you, bro. Let's get back to the rest of the pod with Bros Who Ball. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again to Jay Sand. You guys be sure to go follow him at J underscore underscore Sand on Twitter at on Instagram. Be sure to check out all his his music. Dope, dope, homie. He's great artist, even better human being. I love when that turns out to be the case. Today we're doing Bros Who Ball, but before I introduce my co-host. We're going to get into a small interview we had with Brian Bienemy of New Orleans, and he discussed everything going on with the Saints. He discussed a little bit of Pels with me. So without further ado, let's get in the interview with Brian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today for Bros Who Ball, the segment on the Bros Who Think podcast, we are joined by a special guest to talk Saints. The Saints are 7-1 and one going into a bye week, as well as to talk Pelicans, who are 0-4. We got Mr. Brian Bienemy. Brian, how you doing today, brother? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing well. I should call you the Louisiana scooper because, bro, you've been getting a lot of scoops right in in, in uh, just covering the Saints and the Pels. Like, I, I even I even had to send you a DM about, yo, is the Zion stuff real? And you gave me the real deal. I got to give you credit out there, man. You, you, you're, uh, your scooping is growing. It, it's getting better, man. You know, of course, and every, nobody's batting a thousand, but so far, so good. I've been doing my fair share part to kind of take over. Uh, for all of those that are familiar with the New Orleans area, we lost one of the best here in the business, and Nick Underhill, he kind of moved on and went back to Boston. So I've been trying to do my best to kind of hold the mantle down until, you know, somebody kind of takes it up and runs with it. You definitely have, my man. So let's get started. I want to start talking with you about the Saints. What's your opinion of... Drew Brees coming back. What's your thoughts on the Saints getting out of the bye week? Are they the best team in the NFL? Well, for me, first of all, let's start with Drew Brees. And I think with him, I'm glad to see that Drew kind of came back and used the Arizona Cardinals as pretty much a preseason game. Yep. It was a game for him to test out that thumb, see his limitations, kind of understand his range, what passes can he make comfortably, what passes does he need to work on, com- you know, to be comfortable at making those. Because if you paid attention kind of early, he didn't really throw anything anything past 10, 15 yards downfield. He really didn't try. So I think it had a lot to do with that thumb still being swollen. Now that he understands that and he understands how to play with that splint on his thumb, I think next game versus Atlanta, we'll kind of see the Drew Brees that we've always seen. And even a, a 80 to 90% Drew Brees was able to put 373 and three touchdowns on the Cardinals. So that's a scary sight for the NFL. As far as the best team in the NFL, for me, it is the Saints, and it's not just me being a homer here. It's the idea that I look at San Francisco and New England and, you know, Green Bay, and I look at the level of competition that they've played, and nobody has played a tougher schedule than the New Orleans Saints, and they're 7-1. And, and they did most of that 
what about that future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback? So if it's not the Saints, then I mean, I can't understand who else it would be. 100% I'm with you on that. Net, my next question is this. I know the Saints pushed to make a move for A.J. Green. I even heard from yourself, Tyler Eifert. They were trying to add weapons. Do you think, as constructed now, going into the uh, going into this latter half of the season, do we have enough weapons on the offensive side? I think that depends on how you view Traquan Smith and Keith Kirkwood. If you view those as guys who are going to come in and give you an added bonus, then yes, because they'll be back soon, both of those guys. Uh, Traquan had a bit of an ankle situation going on. Keith Kirkwood, the hamstring. So both of those guys should be back, if not Atlanta, the following game. So I think those guys, if you view them as your enforcement, yes. If you view those guys as just exactly what they are, third round picking an undrafted free agent, that both of them, as far as well as they play at times, they're inconsistent. Traquan can't ever stay healthy. And Keith Kirkwood, we kind of really don't know what he is just yet because he only played well for half a season, uh, being that he was an undrafted rookie. So with that being said, I think if someone should come available and it materializes, I do not see a reason why the Saints wouldn't be aggressive and try to bring that person in. 100%. Looking at the running game, we've had one of the best running games due to having one of the best offensive lines in the league. We know the situation is Kamara's injured. He he maybe could have played last game. How do you feel with Kamara's status coming off of the bye? Well, even before the uh, the Arizona Cardinal game, it was kind of said once he suffered the high ankle sprain that he'd be out and he was going to miss the, uh, the, the game against the Cardinals. So I think they did that purposely to kind of give him one more week's worth of rest, including the bye week, and then you get ready for Atlanta in a stretch run. Going down these last eight games, again, not saying it to be a homer. The way the Saints offense and defense, really, to be honest, are constructed and the way that they're playing, the defense gets better every single game. The offense is going to take a little time to kind of catch back on, but if you pay attention to it, the two games in which the Saints have done over 500 yards of total offense, Drew Brees was at the helm. So if that's the case and they're going to be dropping numbers like that, for me, the Saints may not lose another game this season. And for one, I, I'm just excited because the O-line is intact. They're healthy. The running game getting better with Kamara coming back. This could be a very scary team moving forward. So good luck trying to beat the New Orleans Saints, especially if the road to the Super Bowl goes through the Superdome once more. 100%. And one thing that we have to give major, major credit to for the 7-1 and record is the defense. What's been the most impressive thing about the defense to you? It's the defensive line. Those guys are playing out of their mind right now. I mean, we got Shelton Rankins back, and he's just been a, a man possessed considering he's playing for a contract. So is David Onyemata. But the addition of Malcolm Brown has been one that is kind of not being talked about a lot, but it's been tremendous. He's an anchor on the defensive line. He's able to eat up blocks, free up guys like Onyemata and Rankins. And, of course, now that the emergence of Marcus Davenport is starting to show his fruition, I mean, there's no stopping that defensive line. They are legit right now going six and seven guys deep and just basically beating offensive lines up for an, an entire four quarters. And at the end of the game, those guys just can't handle it. It's kind of what you saw with Arizona. Cam really couldn't get there, couldn't get there, couldn't get there. Then in the last quarter, all of a sudden now, pop up, two sacks, here we go. And I think that's going to continue to happen because you just can't keep up with those bodies and that aggression that the Saints defensive line is playing with. 100%. Are you worried when it comes to the defense about the normal Saints fans' worries about the secondary? No, I'm not. I, I think the way Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple, for that matter, are both playing. Eli also a guy playing for a contract. Marshawn playing for pride because the first few weeks of the season, you know, fans and, and media alike kind of got on him for saying this is not the Marshawn Lattimore we thought we'd see. 
Dennis Allen switches the scheme. They go back to playing a lot more man-to-man, and all of a sudden, guess who pops up? The old Marshawn Lattimore that we saw his rookie season. Uh, Marcus Williams has even kind of started to kind of looks like he's getting over the Minnesota miracle in the way that he's playing because he's playing a lot better each game. And, of course, there's not enough superlatives we can use to describe how well Von Bell has played, not just this year, but over his career. He gets better every single season. He's Mr. Consistent to me. And then you add in a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, P.J. Williams, those two guys fighting it out for that nickel spot. The Saints secondary is just fine. I think that's the last thing we need to worry about. My concern along the defense will be the linebacker play. Not that they're bad, but God forbid, knock on wood, whatever you want to say, what happens if Demario Davis, A.J. Klein, and Kiko Alonso goes down? We don't really have anyone that can back those guys up. 100%, and that, that is very true. We that it, People are shocked. People like to say about the, the secondary not being good, but you're absolutely right. Von Bell has been Mr. Consistent. I love the impact brought by the rookie Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And then we see Lattimore Island has is, is become back. And that guy, Eli Apple, doesn't get enough credit for what he does. But you're absolutely right when it comes to the linebackers. When it, We know what we need in the offseason is to fill up some of that depth. I want to ask you in terms of coaching, has Sean coached himself so far into coach of the year? It'd be hard for us to say that he's not. I think the only guy that can really make a legit argument, of course, the media is going to fawn over Bill Belichick at all times, but I think over there in San Francisco, they may have a little bit of an argument to be made when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and the things he's doing with the San Francisco 49ers. I consider a little bit of smoke and mirrors, and I think over the next few weeks we'll see the uh, San Francisco 49ers kind of come back to the pack a little bit. But I think he's going he's gonna to be one of those guys in contention for it. But to me, for my money, this is probably, outside of maybe barring the 2006 season, this is Sean Payton's greatest coaching job that I've seen him do. No Drew Brees, no Alvin Kamara, no Jared Cook, really nobody else outside of Michael Thomas on offense that you can say has been consistent this year. Uh, the, you know, I mean, he's just doing it with smoke and mirrors, and the Saints are continuing to win. If he's not the best coach in the NFL or the coach of the year, I don't know who is. And I agree with that, man. To say the amount of injuries on the offensive side with Sean, with Sean's specialty, he's been doing it without it. And I want to ask you before we get into Teddy Bridgewater, what do you see from Jared Cook coming off of this injury? Because in the beginning, he didn't live up to the expectations of Saints fans in the media. Do you expect to, for us to get some form of productivity out of Jared Cook for the second latter half of the season? I do, but I don't think it'll be more like what we all expected coming in. We all expected him to be very Jimmy Graham-like, and I don't yeah. think that happened anywhere near close. And I think for the second half of the season, it, you know, unfortunately for him, just when he was starting to kind of find his groove a little bit, he gets a high ankle sprain and he has to miss time. For me, I think for the second half of the season, we'll see Jared Cook be more like Ben Watson than he ever will be uh, Jimmy Graham, which is in the Saints offense pretty good if he can just step up and be a consistent pass catcher and kind of just move the chains along, be a red zone threat. Maybe he doesn't finish with what I thought. I kind of had him pegged for about 60 catches, almost 900 yards, and you know maybe six touchdowns. Maybe he doesn't get those numbers, but maybe he can provide you know a little bit, a little bit of a red zone threat, and maybe he can get the touchdown numbers up even if the rest of the numbers look mediocre. And that's my my major thing because my expectations were him to kind of fill that Jimmy Graham role, be in the conversation with the George Kittles and the in the in the um the the I'm, messing, I'm blanking on his name from uh the Chiefs, but I, I expected him Kelsey. to be yeah. Uh, Kelsey, I expect him to be in that conversation because when you get with Drew Brees, we saw what happened when he had another tall tight end, and I'm with you. I hope he might not have to get the yards and the amount of catches, but what I would love to see Jared Cook 
become is a decent red zone threat so Breeze has someone to go to other than Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he almost has to because if not, he's never going to justify the money that he made or the fact that the Saints basically chased him coming out of Oakland. So I think for him, he has to kind of step up and be that guy. No way possible will the Saints be able to kind of say that they'll be able to win the Super Bowl, even though the blueprint is there. And I know a lot of people, myself included, you know, when I found out about the A.J. Green news and the fact that they were chasing Tyler Eifert and all these other guys, yes, of course, that, that sounds great to add that to the Saints. But what you're looking at right now is you're basically looking at the blueprint of success that the Saints have had. One major star at receiver that, you know, Colston, Thomas, however you want to label those guys, and everybody else just kind of fills in a multiversal back. That's Kamara. You got a pounder and a grinder. That's, you know, Latavius Murray basically in, in the offensive line that's basically just, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, using Sean Payton's phrase, acid mass. It's basically getting guys out of the way and letting it happen. So, I mean, you're looking at basically the blueprint that's been successful for the Saints. It's hard to argue with it, even though we all want to see the great additions, but it's worked. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I want to ask you the final question pertaining to the Saints because we're going into a bye week. No game for us to talk this week. I want to ask you, with Teddy Bridgewater's performance, to say what he's done has been less than spectacular is an understatement. Teddy has done everything we wanted him to do and more. I remember doing a podcast when Drew went down and I was talking to uh, my coach, like best case scenario, we go four and two, three and three. Teddy went six and five and oh, six and oh. Teddy did his thing. So I want to ask you, what should the Saints do with Teddy Bridgewater in the offseason? Or, and I'm going to ask you, what do you think happens? So what should they do and what do you think happens? I think what they should do is make Teddy an offer that's basically going to force him to say, you know, I have to choose somewhere else. Because what Teddy may not be able to do, and it all depends on what happens this year. Saints win it all. You know, Drew rides off into the sunset, calls it quits. It, it's an easier statement. Saints win it all. Drew decides he wants to try to run it back and, and go for another Super Bowl. Well, that's when things get a little sticky. Saints don't win it all. Drew decides he wants to come back. That's a little sticky as well. So, I, or Saints don't win it all, and Drew decides, you know what, I can't take another heartbreak. I'm just going to call it quits. So it really depends on what happens with Drew Brees. That being said, I think they make Teddy an offer that he basically, you know, he has to stay just like they did this time, just one more year. Even if it's a, let's say we give you a raise. I think they're paying him seven mil this year. Let's say we pay you twelve mil next year. Just one year deal. Stay, stick around. Let's see what happens. And you know, you'll basically you'll be twenty eight by the time you're a starting quarterback. You know, when Drew got to the New Orleans Saints, he was thirty, uh, or somewhere near that. I believe he's somewhere near the same age when he finally started. He's been here thirteen years. He's forty now. So yeah, somewhere in that area of the thirties is when Drew finally kind of got to the Saints. With that being said, what should they do? That's what they should do. What will happen is I think somebody's going to come along and they're going to offer Teddy more money than he's ever seen in the chance to start, and Teddy's going to take it. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. And I think he would be foolish not to because I'm not sure if that's going to be here for him, you know, for him in New Orleans. Not that kind of money. The Saints, no way possible unless Breeze decides he's going to hang it up. And the Saints are on the hook, I believe, in dead money for 21 mil anyway. So it makes sense for Breeze to kind of come back. Either way, I think Teddy's going to get an offer that it's just going to be tremendous and he's going to leave. Yeah, I can't, I'm kind of with you. As much as I would love to see Teddy stay, I just feel like he's going to get that. Because I've been seeing articles come out that he should get anywhere between 20 and 30 million. And if that's what he's going to be offered, I don't see how he 
how the Saints can give him something like that, and I see he takes that. So I'm kind of with you in that boat. Let's move to the Pelicans 0-4. What's up with the Pelicans right now, Brian? Because I seem to want to blame... I have two major blames. I blame defense, first of all, and that's going to come with time. But as well as that has to be effort. So I feel kind of shaky on the defense while I want to blame players' efforts. But I, I do see it's at the defensive side and them not getting to the rotations of Bizdelic quite yet in understanding his system. But also, I want to blame Gentry. Am I wrong in those beliefs? Who should... What's up with the Pels on four side? I know we're just starting, but expectations for the Pelicans seems like it should have been a fringe seed playoff, maybe ninth, tenth, eighth, somewhere in that fringe range, but competing with the likes of the Mavericks and the Kings as one of the best young and up-and-coming teams. Well, I think it's a combination of so many things. It's basically a whirlwind of destruction going on right now. You have Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, let's just call them the Laker edition. Those guys outside of Brandon Ingram and, and Josh Hart to a certain extent, the main guy, Lonzo Ball hasn't been able to kind of catch on just yet to how he's supposed to play alongside the guys that he's with. He knows how to play with Brandon Ingram. He knows how to play with Josh Hart. What he doesn't know how to do is play with the rest of the guys, and that's what they're still trying to do right now. They're still trying to kind of figure it out. The preseason was a little bit of smoke and mirrors because you also had Zion, who's also a guy that's not there. And it's kind of crazy to say that a rookie of the team would be the heart and soul, but they kind of look like they're missing him out there. And a part of that is exactly what you said. It's the idea that they haven't caught on to the defensive schemes, and that's the one thing the Pelicans must do. In order for them to be a running basketball team, you got to be able to defend, and instead of taking the ball out of the basket, you're basically catching the rebound and you're running. That's what they're not doing right now. They're not defending, and because you're not defending, you're allowing yourself to kind of take the ball out of the basket. You're slowing the game down. You're losing possession. You don't want to do that. On, 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 with all of that being said, the Pelicans are four. They're four and four, but they really should be three and one. Because the only game in which they really just got their faces smacked in was the Golden State Warrior game. The rest of the games, you could honestly say the Pelicans had a chance to win. They just don't know how to close out games. I believe it was uh, one of the games they were up by six with two minutes left to go in a game, and it just fell apart. And it kind of happened over and over again. Toronto was another game. They were leading in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. They blew the lead. So I just think it's a matter of once they learn how to play together, they'll be a lot better off. It's only a four-game sample. No need to fire Gentry yet, but I can say this. Once they hit the 20-game mark, if the Pelicans don't start to improve, I have no problem with anyone saying it might be time to look in a different direction at Alvin Gentry. 100%. And I, and I think you're right when it comes to that, and I, and I think I'm going to go along with that idea because I understand it's four games. I'm just projecting my my belief of where we're going if we stay on this path, and it can definitely get turned around because what we've seen from these Lakers guys is these guys are talented, and I want to get your thoughts on Brandon Ingram's play so far. It looks like maybe the Lakers might shouldn't should have kept Brandon Ingram instead of getting rid of him. Yeah, I will say this. I think this system, the not just the system, but the city, the the fresh start, all of that has been great for him. The fact that he's fully healthy and the blood clots aren't an issue anymore. I just think Brandon Ingram is in a different zone right now as far as his mind, his body, and, of course, his new contract that he's trying to get as well. The only concern that I have is at what point, if the team continues to lose, will Brandon Ingram say, you know what? This team isn't going to win. So instead of me worrying about playing team basketball, I'm going to go out there and just get my numbers. I'm going to jack up 40 shots a game. I'm going to try to score 40 points. 
and I'm going to forget about the team concept because it's not like we're winning. And that's why I think it's imperative that the Pelicans kind of find their way and right the ship before that starts to happen because you do have a guy like Brandon Ingram who you can't sign to an extension now because it's past the deadline. At this point, you're basically just rolling the dice and saying, is he going to come back or not? Yeah, no, that's that, very you know, that's very true. I think it's going to be a little scary for the Pelicans moving forward, but I will say this when it comes to the Pelicans. Uh, I think this is the most important thing to kind of keep in mind. The Pelicans coming out to a fast start, we all wanted to see it. But this part of the schedule really was kind of brutal for them in, in the competition that they had to play. I think once they the schedule kind of evens out and they're playing teams that are right along the lines of where they should be and moving forward, I think the Pelicans really want to hit their stride right before, uh, let's say around maybe – early December, if they can be fine early December and then hit their stride, then go into the all-star break and then following the all-star break, they kind of, you know, kind of take it up another notch and kind of maybe get into a little bit of a playoff mode. Not that they're necessarily going to make the playoffs, but get into the mind frame of we can be a playoff team. What you want to do is have that springboard to next season. Playoffs, no playoffs, whatever happens. You want to be playing your best basketball from um, February to April, and then you take off next year because let's be honest, if the Pelicans make the playoffs this year, they're a year ahead of schedule. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right with that, and that's something that we need to pay close attention to. Just real quick, final thing on the Pelicans, I want to ask you what's been your thoughts on J.J. Redick and how can we get him to improve? Do you think that's missing Zion and missing Drew and him having to take shots that he might not necessarily be accustomed to? Oh, and we're just not getting him the ball in the right spots. What do you think's up with JJ? Because he has not lived up to what we wanted at, in, as New Orleans fans for these first four games. Oh, you nailed it. Both in both cases. I mean, it's absolutely the fact that he's taking shots he shouldn't be taking right now because he's not supposed to be necessarily a starter. He's supposed to be a super sub or six man, whatever you want to call him. That's his role. That's the role he was brought in to have. And unfortunately for him, he doesn't have anybody out there that can pull guys out of the paint. And I'm sorry, pull guys away from the three-point line and kind of suck them into the paint right now because there's no Zion. Derek Favors is still trying to kind of find himself, and nobody's really going to take your little Okafor seriously as a bully down low just yet. So I think that's what's going on. You also don't have Drew Holiday out there. And when he was out there, Drew wasn't the Drew that we all know and love. So I think for J.J., it's just a matter of forcing it right now. I think once he settles in, he kind of gets his rhythm back. I mean, he's a shooter, and shooters are going to shoot, and that's the only way you get out of a slump. 100%. And I know I said that was the final thing. This is the final thing because you brought it up about Drew being not being the uh, Drew that we know and love. What's up with Drew Holiday? Do you attest it more to injury or do you attest it more to, I don't want to say too much expectation, but David Griffin was saying MVP-like caliber. And yes, he may have been great on defense, but the offense wasn't there. Do you think that was just off him being play, having some bad games and then when he comes back from this injury, he'll get it together? What do you think was going on with Drew in those first couple of games? I think it may have been a little bit of expectations getting the best of it. Maybe he was pressing a little bit because the Drew that we saw was not the Drew that we saw kind of last year when Anthony Davis decided that he was going to just basically quit on the team. I don't know what happened to Drew Holiday between the offseason and, and now, but the Drew that we saw the first couple of games of the season was not the Drew that we expected. I thought he was going to come out like a gangbuster, being aggressive, understanding that David Griffin basically just gave you the keys to the franchise until Zion's ready to take it over. And Drew kind of mild down. He didn't, he wasn't aggressive. And, I mean, defensively, he was still Drew. But offensively, I thought he'd be much, much better. But I think for Drew, I just think it's a matter of maybe this 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 injury, if that's what it truly is to, to a large degree, maybe this injury is a great time for him to kind of maybe take a deep breath, collect himself, and say, you know what, let me get back out there and do what I do, which is ball.
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because in the preseason, he was looking like what the he was his three point shot was looking better. He it looked like he had, the work in the offseason has paid off, and I was really excited to see him get out to a fast start. And that's something that you might be right about. He take his time, take a breath, and be like, Nah, man, let me just get back to playing ball my way. And that in the the performance will come as uh, just letting the game come to him in the sense, but still being aggressive and whatnot. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's what he has to do, Drew. David Griffin basically put the pressure on him to say, man, go out there and attack. You know, don't worry about, you know, the, what the media says or anything else. We know what the game plan is. And Alvin Gentry gave him the green light when he said, all we're going to do is basically run up and down the court. The system of, of play that Alvin Gentry wants to run, he has the guys that, to run it. I just think the guys need to just go out there and just play ball, stop worrying about whether or not they're going to make the playoffs. Worry about the playoffs when you get close to it. Right now, just go out there and ball. No matter whom the opponent, go out there and ball. And what we've seen three of the first four games is they're not a bad team when they're not playing, at all. You know when they're playing well. That Golden State game just happened. That's the first game I saw them actually just lay down. And I don't know if that's the Warriors and maybe you know them needing one because of course they haven't been the same Warrior team as well. But or maybe it was just the Pelicans just coming out and laying an egg. I don't know which one it was, but whatever it was, we don't need to see that kind of effort ever again. Yeah, and hopefully it it's kind of does what happened to the Warriors, be, having that bad loss and then coming out and wanting to punch someone in the mouth. Hopefully the Pelicans, I'm not going to say they're going to beat the Nuggets, but hopefully they come out with that killer mentality in the Nuggets game so we can see steps towards the path that we want to see them get to. No doubt about it. All we want to see is the consistent effort on a nightly basis. Nobody is expecting this team to win a championship. Yeah. Maybe they are. Maybe, you know, you know, from what I understand, the sea word is not allowed around a Pelican's quarter. So what I think they should do is just go out there and ball and just, you know, let them fly and, you know, play great on defense, show the energy, show the effort. You have the city now, which is one thing the team didn't have before. You have the city. You have the backing. Just go out there and ball and let it all hang out, man. And, you know, we'll, we'll deal with the wins and losses as they come. Yeah, one hundred. Well, let's see where the chips may fall, and I and I agree with you one hundred percent. Thank you, Brian, for coming on the pod. Tell the people where they can find you on social media, and tell them uh, where they can get some of your content or where they can see you, at, brother. No problem, man. You can find me on Twitter at public underscore b underscore enemy, or you can just type in BSPN in the uh, the search bar, and it'll pull me up. Of course, you can always find me helping out my brother Gus Cattingale on the Sports Hangover as a contributor. Um, pretty much, man, the NFC South expert. I track all three, four teams, of course, counting the Saints, but all three teams in the NFC South. So if there's something going on in Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa, I'm trying to get the news and the info out to you guys. Yes, you are, my brother. Thank you so much, Brian. Let's get back to you, Lennon and Schubert, to finish out Bros Who Ball. Thank you, Brian, once again for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. You guys be sure to follow him at Public Be Enemy. But let me introduce the co-host of Bros Who Ball. Joining me as always, starting off, Mr. Adam Schubert. Shuby, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, just, you know, waiting for the storm that is November 9th. Yeah, ooh, that's the LSU-Alabama uh, game, huh? Oh, yeah. Ooh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Also intro- also joining us, as always, Mr. Julian Navarre. Julian, how you doing, brother? Waiting for the storm with Schubert right now, man. Me and him, we're sitting in the room, got a couple of brews, just waiting for November 9th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> But not a big sports week, but Julian, before we get into the topics this week, I want to get you, you're dropping an article with on Bros Who Think Network, dropping a blog tomorrow. Tell the people a little bit about what they can expect from your article that's dropping tomorrow. Well, you can expect from an, you can expect an article from me. You, you can expect something that might make some people uncomfortable. And that's fine. You know, just respect my opinion. I respect other people's opinions. 
Um, you know, it's an article about the NBA and China controversy. And basically, where is the criticism coming from? And people need to pay attention where the criticism is coming from. Is the criticism really valid or is it just people who are going to hate to hate regardless? So, you know, read the article. It's a decent size length. It might take you four or five minutes. But read it, think about it, and let me know what you think. You know, yeah. I, I love to, to speak about something like that. Definitely check out Julian's article. I'm, ex- I'm really excited for you guys to read it. Super dope article. I'm excited for it to be published. So you guys check it out and let him know what you think on Twitter. Let us know what you think on Twitter. But let's get into this week's the games we got to talk about. Let's start off with, with the LSU Tigers. I'm going to start off with you, Julian. LSU played Auburn. What did you think of that game? And what do you think of the Tigers going forward to that November 9th uh, date? I'll be honest, I thought that was a very good game. It kept me on my toes the whole time. I knew Auburn was the best defense in the SEC. They have the best defensive front in football, in my opinion. Their front four is underrated and ridiculous. I knew Auburn had a good defense coming in, and I knew LSU would find ways to struggle against them, which they did. And to be honest, even though I'm a LSU fan, the only reason Auburn lost is because they don't have an experienced quarterback. I'm not sold on Bo Nix, and I don't think he'll be amount to anything, to be honest. Some people inside on Bo Nix, his high school's trash. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't trust the where a kid who came from Pinson Valley. <laughs> I don't know Schubert anything about bomb. that, but Schubert does, and I 100% agree. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, I, I don't. I see a lot of impulsiveness from Bo Nix. I see that they don't trust him that much. He can't make the throws. If he could have made half the throws, LSU would have lost. So that just goes to show you how important defense is. That Auburn defense held a high-scoring LSU team to 23 points, and uh, they made some key red zone stops. The score could have been worse. That Auburn defense is something real. If they had a quarterback, they would win the national championship hands down because that defensive front puts so much pressure. Uh, LSU did run the ball, however, however, and they ran it effectively. I've been, you know, you've heard me over the past few uh, weeks on this podcast complaining about LSU not being able to run the ball effectively, and they finally yep. did something. And look, they controlled the clock. They kept Bo Nix off the field, which <laughs> they tired out the defense. The defense had them up until towards the end, the middle to the end, towards the third quarter, and then LSU was finally able to have their way with them. But it took that long. To let you know that Auburn's defense is for real. Credit to Auburn. They were well coached. The reason they lost, honestly, was their quarterback. Other than that, they would have won. But I'm I'm proud, you know, you play the cards, you were dealt. LSU play fine. I'm just worried about Alabama. You have Nick Saban with two weeks to prepare. I'm scared. That's all I got to say about that. And to speak on the rushing, just to give some numbers to what Julian was saying, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 26 carries for 136 yards, one touchdown. Joe Burrow had 13 attempts for 31 yards and a touchdown. He also threw uh, 321 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Jamar Chase had eight receptions with 123 yards. The offense, which was high-powered, was slowed down, but they still got some pretty decent numbers. Schubert, I want to toss it to you before we open it up. What Julian was talking about, how do you feel being our Bama guy for that November 9th matchup coming up. Some would say that's Bama's first real big game. What from what I saw from LSU playing Auburn, I you know, you got to expect that Auburn's going to cut LSU down, but still, I mean, LSU put up over 20 points against Auburn's defense, probably the best defense in all college football. 
I, I'm pretty positive that LSU is going to put 20 on Alabama, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more. So, you know, this isn't the strongest Alabama has ever been on defense. You know, losing the heart of your D at the beginning of the season, having a redshirt freshman kind of being that middle linebacker leader in the middle. He's been playing very well, but, you know, that's still that's an issue. Secondary hasn't been as great as it always has been. Probably the weakest has been in a while. Even and that's something to has, say. Even though it still has draft talent on it. And that's something to say, having them going up against a guy like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and hopefully Terrence yeah. Marshall's back in form. This is one of the best wide receiver core LSU has had since Odell and Jarvis. Yeah, those two guys, along with Alabama's three receivers and C.D. Lamb, are, I think, the best receivers in college football right now. Um, and, you know, the thing is, Tua, and I talked about it on my radio show that from what I'm hearing is that if he goes into the game, it's 75%. No better than that. Mm. And I don't even think he's going to get in there 75%. I, I think it's really risky for him and his future career to go into that game. I don't holding, know, so. holding the bombs away from the BWT pod. I see how it is, Shuby. <laughs> I'm, just yeah. with, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> so so I, I'm just, I don't see a way that he's going to be the Tua that everyone expects him to be. And I think that they need him to be that. Uh, he's not going to be able to evade KV on Chase on. He's not going to be able to, uh, you know, maybe throw deeper balls depending on which food. I don't know which one. I think it's the left one. But either way, he's got a plan to throw anyway. It's always it's going to be difficult when it's an ankle. I mean, he's not going to be able to move, which he did, which was the case in the Clemson game, and we saw what happened there. It's just not looking good for a team at LSU's has putting out right now that has the offense that's going to consistently score 20 plus points with a quarterback that I feel is, you know, ready to go in the big game. And he may not, he may not have shown it yet, but he, and the opportunity is that he was in the big game. He didn't have the pieces. Now he has everything. Do you think that, and before I toss it to Julian to get his rebuttal on what you said, or get his takes on what you said, do you think that this is the best chance LSU's had in the past, let's say, six or seven years? Well, this is the first time LSU's actually had... One thing I think is really interesting looking back in LSU's history is when they won the national championship, they had a quarterback. Whenever LSU needs a quarterback. This is the first time since, I think, Matt Flynn, they've had a quarterback. So this, this is... I think the stars are kind of aligning for LSU. The, the defense may not be where it needs to be, and the concern is, is will they be able to beat Ohio State? But I mean, I think that this is the probably the best team that they're going to put out to put out against Alabama in a while against an Alabama team that may not be the best it's going to be, um, the best it's been on the field in a while. I think uh, the only thing that hinders LSU here is not being at home. Mm, true, true, true. So, Julian, what's your what's your thoughts? The last on... time they won was in Tuscaloosa, so. That is true. Julian, what are your thoughts on what Schubert uh, had to say? Um, this is LSU's best chance in recent memory that they can beat Alabama due to the team that they have and the new offense that they have and the quarterback that they have also. which What I don't like, even though I'm an LSU fan, I wish Tua was playing so whenever LSU does beat Alabama, I don't have to hear, but, but, but. You know, you, that's what I don't want to hear, and that's even – I don't think two is going to play, and it wouldn't be smart for him to play. But, you know, at the yeah, end of the day, I, I am scared of Nick Saban. Um, 
he's a great coach. He's a tremendous coach, and he's light years ahead of Ed Ogeron. And I've never seen Ed Ogeron even come. Every time LSU has played Alabama with Ed Ogeron, Nick Saban just rolled over him. And I don't, I don't know what to expect. You, like I said, you give Nick Saban a bye week, so he has two weeks to prepare. That, that's a lot of time. LSU's defense isn't what people think it is. Or, I mean, it's, it's not what it usually is. But neither is Alabama's. And LSU and Alabama's run game really isn't much. People expect the game to be a shootout. But what, what tells me that I don't think it will be a shootout because rivalry games are never shootouts. They're always close games and they're low scoring. That's just how it is. So I expect this game to be lower scoring than what people think. Um, I do expect LSU to win due to the fact that Tua is not playing. However, it would not surprise me at all if Alabama wins just just because they're going to have two weeks to prepare for LSU. The, the thing to consider with Alabama and their quarterback units is Gardner Minshew was a guy who was – just like never gonna touch the field at Alabama at one point. You know, there's guys. Alvin Kamara is another example of a guy who the, Alabama has the talent in there. It just depends on if he's gonna be able to, to perform in the big moment. I, I could. Everyone's been telling me this week. It's like, oh well, you know, he performed really well in the rest of the Tennessee game and in the Arkansas game. All right, well, he did okay against Tennessee, and then he beat a high school team. So. I don't think yeah. he's ready for LSU. If they could run the, they're going to run the ball a good bit. If they sure, can run the ball should. effectively, if they can run the ball effectively, which throughout recent history Alabama can, then I'll give the then I'll give the game to Alabama. Whoever can run the ball better is going to win the game, and that's basically it. Because you control the clock whenever you run the ball. If they run the ball effectively. That's a wrap. See, and that's gonna. This is a, a storyline that we've been following on this podcast for a while. The quality of LSU's run game. This is something you've mentioned a bunch, Julian. Because as much as everybody's been loving the high-paced offense, can we control the clock with our run game? It's gonna be interesting to see. That's uh, how they tired out Auburn's defense. They kept running the ball up the gut. That's how you tire out a defense, and that's how they won. And whoever can do that. Is going to win the game. Well, and you know, we were talking about the matchups for Chase and Jefferson against Alabama secondary, but it's equally going to be a little bit difficult. I know it's going to be whether or not they can get to it, but a lot of the touchdowns that Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and uh, Jerry Judy are catching are screens and slants. So, uh-huh. And then with the injuries to Del Pitt, we don't know how, how healthy Stingley's going to be. It's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I think this is, you know, what we've always wanted out of this matchup, and I think we pretty much get almost every year, is the juggernauts of the SEC West battling it out. Winner take all. Winner gets to go to the championship, pretty much. Yeah, so this this is going to be a good matchup. We will keep you guys covered next week. We'll do a little preview, uh, and we'll get Julian and Schubert's picks. But let's jump to the NFL. Not a lot of big games. Uh, we talked about the Saints, basically the season uh, outlook with uh, Brian. But let's talk about this game Julian, what did you see from the Saints-Cardinals game? I mean, exactly what I expected, no matter who else was a quarterback. Regardless if it was Drew Brees or Teddy Bridgewater, it was going to be uh, – they were favored by, what, 12 points? I knew they were going to beat them by 12 points. The Cardinals aren't there yet. Colin Murray, what, what I saw from the game, Colin Murray is the real deal. They had a few bad calls against them, but he could really make the, the, the key throws – and he, I mean, all he has is old Larry Fitzgerald. But if you give him a team, he can go far with him. I have a lot of faith in Kyle Murray, and he will not be a bust. But from the Saints' point of view, 
I mean, there was really nothing. It was like an exhibition game. I mean, that these these are two teams on totally different levels. One's rebuilding, and one's on the path towards the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, when one would be lucky to get seven win, six wins, and the other one would it would be devastating if they got less than twelve wins. So it was a game that wouldn't match. You know, Drew Brees came in the game. He threw well, but it, you know, like you probably saw on my Twitter, people mad at me about it. You know, for what I said. I thought Drew Brees was stat padding. He definitely was. Uh, he definitely was stat padding. Forty three pat. Why are you throwing forty three times against Arizona? As much as I love the Saints, we got to call a spade a spade. This he was getting ready. He was testing the arm, throwing, getting the numbers, and getting his stats to where they're supposed to be. This was a tune up game. That was Russell Westbrook out there. Like there was no need to be to throw in that way. Of course, you know. I mean, I love Drew Brees as a player, but his ego got the best of him. You know, in in a way. I know in the back of his mind, because I thought it too, he was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and without him. No problem whatsoever. Made a, made a you know, made a big name for himself. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, people were, you know, reminding people that, you know, he's he, he is a franchise quarterback. You know, he can start for a team. And that probably made Drew Brees in the back of his head feel a little uneasy. So he had to go out there and remind people, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm Drew Brees. Brees. Yeah. But he doesn't realize that this fan base behind him loves him no matter what. Like that, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater could have went eight and no, and then as soon as Drew Brees would have came back, you know, he was oh, Drew Brees. So yeah, you know, they, he didn't need to throw forty three times. The, the whole fan base was like, okay, well, let's just have Teddy play the game because we're gonna have the bye week, and then Drew, you can just come back for the rest of the season well rested. <laughs> like I, I, no, nobody in the Saints was nobody in the Saints fan base was like. All right, Teddy Bridgewater is now the quarterback. They were like, "All right, well, let's let Teddy do his thing. You know, he we paid him. Let's let him do his job, and then Drew can finish out." Exactly, and that's something that Drew didn't have to focus on. He had a game: thirty-four attempts. I mean, forty-three attempts, thirty-four completions, three hundred seventy-three yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Latavius Murray had another big game: twenty-one carries, one hundred and two yards, and a touchdown. And shout out to Michael Thomas: eleven receptions, one hundred and twelve yards, with one touchdown. Drew had a Drew had a damn good game, but I like to say that we're seeing Sean Payton just win the coach of the year award. I know Kyle Shanahan has an argument with San Francisco, but the play calling that Sean Payton has, this is arguably his best season he's had since maybe the Super Bowl season, if even. Makes you wonder, what can Sean Payton do with a few other quarterbacks in the NFL, like a, like a Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers? If you can see what he does with, with the Saints offense, because every time you see the Saints receiver, they're wide open. Could you imagine what we could do with some other offensive isn't offenses in the NFL and that and gets some, me excited quarterbacks. and that gets me excited for the day as much as I love Drew Brees it, it makes me excited and scared at the same time for the day he hangs it up because I know Sean's gonna look for his guy because it's the same thing with Belichick Belichick's legacy is tied to Brady Belichick's waiting for when Brady hangs it up so he can he had Jimmy G in the wings Belichick's gonna have his guy who's next up and I can't wait to see who Sean's next guy is he he would have Pick Patrick Mahomes, but we had to take Marshawn Lattimore at that time. He wanted Patrick, so that's something just to Saints fans keep your eyes out on. Speaking of young quarterbacks, man, and I know I said this game was a much watch. I picked the Browns to win because I thought the sense of urgency. I thought the thing with, with Jarvis was real. Oh, the Browns just keep beating themselves, man. <laughs> 27 to 13. My goodness, this was bad. I don't know. I, 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 I'll believe it. When I see it, Lyndon Baker didn't even play bad. That's the thing. He didn't like 
And it's just he, him talking in the media just makes it worse and worse. I love the it. More they lost. I know you. What, what's I your thoughts that. on all of this? Oh me, <laughs> the Browns. You know the funny thing is the Browns are two and five, right? Out of all those five losses, nobody's beaten them. The only team that's beaten the Browns were the Browns. Every yeah. game that they've lost were due to stupid turnovers and penalties, mainly penalties. They had like, four, dude, they had like six false starts. In New England. That crowd doesn't even get that loud over there to have that many false starts. What are you doing? That team is so undisciplined. And um, I that team has beaten themselves more than any than any other team. It makes no sense whatsoever. I like I do not get it. But at the end of the day, I guess it's a testament to coaching. I mean, yeah. honestly, if you ask me about Freddie Kitchens, I think he could be a good coach one day. Because I like his attitude. I've heard some of his, pr- his press conferences and things like that. I think he really could be a good coach one day. But he was given that position too soon. And that's the only problem. He could be a great coach in, I don't know, six or seven years. But he hadn't even been a coordinator yet. They just hired him from interim. I mean, now he wasn't even an interim coach. He was yeah, because it was Doug Williams. It was Greg Williams. Yeah, it was, yeah it was, Greg uh, Williams, not Doug. It's he you. was a, a offensive coordinator for like seven games and then automatically a head coach. What are y'all doing? Look, you have a team in the Cleveland Browns. The team is very young and immature, okay? When you have a team that's very young and immature, you need a veteran head coach. And look, they don't have any veterans in the locker room whatsoever that could tell somebody to shut up and chill out. Hey, this isn't a good look. They have no veterans in the locker room, okay? They have a bunch of talented players. I guess the closest veteran you can get to is Odell Beckham, and that speaks for themselves. And I love Odell. But they have a rookie head coach and a bunch of rookies in the locker room. You know, so they needed to get a – they should have went and got Mike McCarthy from uh, Green the Green Bay, Bay Packers. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, so, or just someone it's, else who has this. They should have kept Greg Williams in mind. It's, it's a management issue. It, yes, the, it you is. Know, it's Dorsey, you know, and everything that – all the decisions that he's made – Taking Baker Mayfield first overall because of an attitude, because of a persona, because of an ambiance, not because of talent. And then, Wait, um, so you, so you got to throw this on Baker? Baker's no, talented. I'm not throwing it on Baker. I, I think Baker's the first, you know, deserved to be taken in the first round, but was he the number one overall pick? I don't know. I mean, he, okay, I don't think he's well, proven it. Well, number one, the reason they took him number one overall, and I agree with this. They needed somebody who was NFL ready right then and there. And Baker was NFL ready right then and there because he's had over 30-something or 40-something college starts. He knew how to read a defense real well. Every other quarterback in that draft needed well, but, to develop. He the, was there. Okay, so the Browns needed someone who was re- NFL ready to go because they've been in the playoff hunt every year, right? <laughs> well, okay, but look. My, <laughs> like, my, what my was, what, where's the urgency? This? Where, like, you just draft someone that you could develop and, and create. They and had then, a you know, bunch of talented players, so they have a first round. They have a, a, a top pick every year. So they wanted someone that was in the NFL already. I, understand, I, I 100% understand that. And I thought Baker was NFL already. Look, his first year, he did all right. His second year, look, I'm not going to judge him too hard on the second year because I do believe in sophomore slumps. It happens to a lot of quarterbacks. If next year, if he's stinking this bad next year, I'm selling him. Right now, I'm holding on to him for a little I'm bit. Still holding, I'm still holding on but, to my Baker. But, stock. but the thing is, is I'm not, I'm, I wasn't even trying to trash Baker. All I was saying is, like, that really wasn't, you know, the smartest decision in the world. And then what you go out and do is you spend a ton of money on skill receivers when what you need to do is build your offensive line. 
That's a, another, you know, not very sound decision. Uh, you, you choose a head coach that you want power over. That's the only reason that he's the head coach is because they can control him. If you bring in someone that's not from that bubble, that is grateful to be given this position that he doesn't deserve, then you don't have any control. And that's all that they want is they want to control. And they shouldn't be in control. They need to refigure re- out the, whoever's the ownership there needs to refigure out what they're trying to do with the Browns. Because it ain't let working. Me, let me it ain't going you, anywhere. It's not going to get better. Let me counter you on John Dorsey with this. Because in terms of Baker saying that that wasn't the right decision, I don't know if I can agree with that because they needed a quarterback. And of that draft class, no but one has shown. What, is he, what has he done to help? What has Sam, Sam Donald done to show that he, he's better than Baker? What his, the Jets what his, aren't saying that they're going to win now. The Jets but, are okay, saying but, we're rebuilding. All right, I'm with you on that, but let me just finish. You can't blame solely Baker for this. The win now, I, I do agree with you in the sense of skill players. They should have focused on building that offensive line for the quarterback, building more of the defense because the defense has holes, and, and, the, and the coach. I'm just not going to blame the starting quarterback. I agree that there's a management issue problem when, with some, some decisions. I'm just not going to say I just don't agree with the Baker one that you said. Well, I agree with also, everything else. Also, at the end of the day, I think that, that that draft class that we thought was so highly touted isn't really that great. I mean, I think Lamar's the only one that that's you know well I guess Josh Allen but I mean you know I'm not expecting Josh Allen to win a Super Bowl anytime soon and, and that's Josh Allen has a great team around him so sure same with can, Lamar and, and a great say, organization you can argue that Lamar like as much as we love Lamar Lamar has a great team and a great coach and a great organization around him so Baker's just dealt a shitty hand and and it's not getting any better I, I I'm with Julian I'm not gonna sell my stock I just think Freddie Kitchens might not be a Browns coach come next year. So we shall see. Julian also wanted to comment. Oh, I know. Which, which is what I'm trying to say is that it's not even that. It's the, it's the upper management because if you're making a decision that – when you make a decision on a coach, it's not, oh, well, I'm going to hire a coach, and if he doesn't have the success in one year, then I'm going to fire him. That's not, how, that's not why you hire a coach. If, if, they, if they went and fired Freddie Kitchens this year, then they made a horrible decision. They shouldn't fire Freddie Kitchens. They should try and work Freddie Kitchens more. Give him the personnel. Give him the players. Like, they haven't done anything to help him. They're just putting him in a situation to fail. Like, that's just a scapegoat mentality. And that's why the Browns will never be successful under this management. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, look, look. He went, okay, it was 4th and 11. He took a penalty so he can buy some time off the clock and get a free timeout. Well, and who made the to decision to hire that guy? Yeah, I know John Dorsey, but c- come on, dude. I'm no NFL coach, but you wouldn't do that either. You know what I'm saying? Then fire him today. Then fire him today. No, no, you can't because you know how. Okay, look, you, you know what's the recipe for failure for a quarterback? A new offensive coordinator or exactly. Head coach then why are we going to do year? that at the end of the year? You know, we're just going to keep putting Baker in horrible positions year after year after year. Well, no, my thing is if you get rid of him at the end of the year, you have time to bring someone in that. Maybe it, I'm 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 not gonna even say names, but someone of a, a caliber that a can control the diva mentality, a be a leader, a actual leader in this organization, and take the reins and do what a John Harbaugh's done in Baltimore, do what a Sean Payton. Like you need one of those type coaches for this young team so they can get an identity, and they don't have one right now. I'm not disagreeing with you and saying the man. Where was where was that decision making six months ago, five, seven months ago? You're right. No, you're, no, you're right. right. And so, and so with... why, why are they going to make that decision miraculously later on? Just like, oh, well, you know, I, I was just dumb back then, but, I mean, now I'm going to make the right decision because well, now I'm smart. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to make the right decision, I... but you can learn from your mistakes. I can say that. 
They should have hired Greg Williams. That's all I got to say. Even though Greg Williams is the type of person to wear on people, he screams a lot. Whenever he they had Greg done. Williams He's got the baggage. Last year, well, yeah, well, he got the baggage. But guess what he got last year? He got seven wins with that team. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, they listened to him and they responded, obviously. And you didn't hear that much from Baker last year. You started hearing more in the offseason and this season than you heard from Baker last year. So, that's, that is I mean, that's true. my you take might, that's on what that. You just might need a leader in that building. And I'm not disagreeing with you, Shuba, because you make valid points. And I and I do agree with you that it, it, it's management made a bad decision. But the only way you fix it is if you learn from your mistakes. I don't know if you ride this out till the sunset and just be like, try to prove your point. Or I, I don't know. I don't I don't think that's the path you take. I think you can move the franchise. Oh, now look at you. All right, we're no, gonna, yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. That, that franchise is cursed. Curse. Done. Go to, move it. Go to Columbus. Down the road, bro. Go to sure, Columbus. Sure. The second that franchise moved out of Cleveland, they started becoming a success, successful franchise, Baltimore. So move them. <laughs> Look at you. Julian, I, I just got to point out, bro, Atlanta did not win after that rowling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was on, so I didn't bet money on them, by the way, anyways. Even though I would have covered, I didn't bet money on them. But hey, they had a backup quarterback. Look. <laughs> the, the owner Arthur Blank went ahead and said, like you know, they have a lot of thinking to do. They don't want to. They don't want to fire Dan Quinn, and I understand why. The team loves him. I have no idea what's wrong with that team. That team is so full of talent; it's ridiculous, especially on the offensive end. Uh, dude, I just don't know. Schubert Julian last week came in and picked the Falcons to win because he was like, I said Jones win. Can't. I said to cover the spread, right. which was ten and a half, and they won by seven. Oh, they did cover. Yeah, you're right. They did cover the spread. So, but you you were right about that. Um, I'm not gonna pick on you too much about the Julio Jones speech. But well, I, looked, I mean, if hey, I was, if I was the Saints, embarrass the Saints. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm. That's what I was about to say. I was like, you know, that would have been a good opportunity for the Falcons to get that win because it's coming. It's coming. Like they're gonna it's win coming. one of these games. <laughs> they're gonna win one. It's gonna be against the Saints. It's not I'm gonna telling be. you. It's not I'm gonna like, be as much as I'm Saints. hoping for it to happen. <laughs> and whatnot, because you know how I am. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Dude, the Saints always find a game. They always <laughs> find a game to just mess up <laughs> and we have no see. business losing. And that is, one of those games would be the one. That's all I got to say. I, I'm picking the Bucks. That I, I think it's going to be the Bucks game. But let's get, to week would. Nine. let's get to the Week 9 games that you guys should be watching. Another pretty not decent game of weeks, but there's some gems in there. Uh, I'll I'll start off. I have one game that I'm going to suggest. Bears at Eagles. The Bears need a win drastically, and can the Eagles get a chain of wins going to make a run at the division? I'm I'm telling you guys to check out Bears versus Eagles. Julian, what's your game that the guy that the people out there should check out? Of course, it's going to be the prime time game. It's going to be the Sunday night football game with the Falcon with the uh, Be- oh, goodness with the Patriots versus the Ravens at Baltimore Sunday mm-hmm. night. Bill Belichick, you know, you know his record against young quarterbacks. He beats them all the time. But however, this is a young quarterback that he hasn't faced before, and uh, it's a dual threat quarterback. And Bill Belichick, you know, always kind of struggles against dual threat quarterbacks. I mean, I was listening to a sports show, and one of the announcers of the sports show, one of the, uh, you know, he said Bill Belichick lost against Colin Kaepernick. And Cam Newton, you know, two quarterbacks who were similar in skill set to Lamar Jackson, and they had a hard time containing him within the run. 
So uh, Bill Belichick goes ahead. He loves to blitz young quarterbacks, understandably. He'll have them seeing seeing ghosts, a.k.a. Sam Darnold. And if you go ahead and blitz, zero blitz Lamar Jackson, and he goes out and breaks off on a run, you know, he can go off on a 20, 30-yard run and just completely fuck the whole game up. So there's no telling what will happen. The Patriots are favored by three, I believe. But we don't know how – I don't know how this game is going to go. I honestly have the Patriots – winning however you know winning just by three would probably just be a, it'll be a closer game than people think and the page and the ravens head coach is a very good coach you yeah know, he he's is. been in the league for a while so i'm i'm excited to see this game it's gonna be a really good game yeah i'm excited to see the harbaugh it's john harbaugh right john it's, harbaugh yeah yeah, yeah john I'm, yeah yeah i'm ready to see john harbaugh go against belichick it's in this is with Lamar being that dual threat, Belichick can't just all out blitz. It's going to be interesting to see how this Ravens team plays. The Patriots arguably has one of the best defenses in the league. How does Bill do? And how do the Ravens defense do against a Tom Brady offense that hasn't been doing so hot? I, I think I got the Ravens winning that game. Uh, Schubert, yeah, I got the Ravens too. What's your game of the week? Um, well, I want to... This is, isn't my game of the week, but I want to mention that the Thursday game is really interesting. It's probably going on as you're listening to the podcast right now. 49ers, Arizona. With, with the 49ers win over the Panthers last week, I think everyone wants to keep their eyes on them just to figure out what's going on. See uh, how real I, they are. Yeah. yeah, because the tough games are to come. This isn't one of them, but after this, it's all quality games. So I'm ready. I, I, I want to get my eyes on San Francisco because it's, there haven't been a team that's always been on my TV screen. Yeah. Um, but the t- the game that I want to watch this week is Minnesota Kansas City. Ooh. You know, we might we don't know yet if Patrick Mahomes is going to play the game, but we assume that since he was so questionable about the last game that he might find his way onto the field. So we could see Patrick Mahomes at home in Kansas City. They've lost two straight home games now. Minnesota comes to town at six and two. They're playing some of their best football. This is a chance for Kirk Cousins to keep proving that he. It's not a fluke. Adam Thielen comes back into the lineup. So wait, let me ask you right quick: Is this game on prime time? Like, is it a three o'clock game? No, noon. No, it's t- it's noon. It's part of that noon slate. Okay, it's going to go be on Fox. Pick Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he kills the noon game. So yeah, I I think that this is a chance for Minnesota to grab a big win on for a game that when they were looking at their schedule at the beginning of the season. Did not think that they would win. So this is kind of a, a, a gimme win for Minnesota at a good time. And like I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they were a playoff caliber team. Um, wh- whether or not they make it to the championship is to be determined because, you know, I don't know. I, I think all of us can agree that we don't trust Kirk Cousins in a big game. But they're definitely yeah, a team not. that's winning games here in the regular season and playing well. They have a lot of talent just everywhere. It's going to be a good matchup. I actually like that game a I lot. I think Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the NFL right now. Ooh, against Christian Ooh. McCaffrey. And Ezekiel Elliott, wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I mean, I, and I'm a big yeah. Florida State fan. I've been loving Dalvin Cook since Florida State. I knew he would just make it in the league. Yeah. I knew he'd be a first-round pick. So it doesn't surprise me him ripping up like that. If, if, if not the best one, I mean, he's in that that top, three or oh, four, he's top sure. five, you know? Yeah, he's. I say For the sure. conversations between Dalvin – Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Zeke. I'd say those sure. are the oh, those are the best running backs right now in the league. I know Saquon just got back, had a big game, but as of right now, those are the four in my opinion. But word, word, you guys be sure to check out 
the games that we suggested and uh and uh yeah and we'll let you know how we we predicted if we were right will it be the Patriots or the Ravens will it be the Vikings or the Chiefs or the Eagles Bears I think we all pretty sound on the Eagles I don't see the Bears winning but uh, that's all the time we have today Julian tell the people they can find you out on social media call me at Juju Nav J U J U N A V go read my article. You can uh, message me about it if you want to speak about it, at me about it, you want to argue, let's go ahead and argue. You know, I'm there for it. I'll troll you to death, so go ahead and follow me. <laughs> Be sure to check Julian's article out. You can read that now at www.broswhothink.com and follow, and you'll see us reposting it all on all our Twitters and social media. Schubert, tell the people they can find you at on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ashubert14. You can listen to the Bros Who Binge podcast here on the Bros Who Think Network, uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna have we have a pitch it match coming up. I think it might be the next one. Yeah, it's not yeah. this. No, this week we have the Irishman. We got Terminator. We got Titans. Is this this is a big big content week? We have the King. We, we have the King. We have Dolomite, which I've heard is really good. Yeah, I heard you it probably is. Probably check yep. that out. Um, but yeah, so good content week. A lot of things rolling out during Halloween. So hope everyone had a good one. Yep, be on the lookout for that. You can follow me at LynnBWT on Twitter. Follow me at LyndonBurtonII on Instagram. Follow <laughs> the Bros Who Think at Bros Who Think on Twitter. Be sure to check out all the content from the prom, from the pot, uh, Bros Who Think Network. Primetime released a recap of the Auburn game. For those LSU fans, no game preview because they're on bye week. Be sure to check out the latest episode of Anime Talk. Check out the latest episode of Bros Who Binge that just dropped. And be sure to check out the one that's coming up, as well as re- check out Julian's article again on www.birdsyouthink.com. But for Jason, for Brian, for Julian, for Doom, for Schubert, my name is Lyndon Burton. You guys have a great, great weekend. We will talk to you again next Thursday. Until then, you guys be safe, be easy, and peace. So all dates, I'm no doubt great, y'all so outraged And low down lame and low down fake, I choke out fakes And throw out snakes, the poke poke, gotta roll out tape Soon as I roll out tapes, I throw down profound pronouns I throw out flames, and if a nigga want beef I'ma throw out names, it's deadlock, so I'm sending headshots At blowouts, waves, comas, braids, and low top fades Hey, what the fuck a nigga know about Jay? I'm the rose that rolls out of the concrete slate Don't really go out late, and no, I don't clout chase And I don't ever hold out weight, I slow down pace With every flow I make, I never show out late I came in the game good, I'ma go out great Don't try to go against the goat, that is so not safe Niggas don't want no smoke, y'all niggas smoke out they said sand too hot like mantle rocket Man, you not, he like a pot with a handle hot He way too hot to handle like candle slots He twists the flow like bantu knots Nigga, they stand to God, I drop the heat You jam is hot, don't give a damn if you jam or not Just give the man his prop Cause when niggas try to battle, they see defeat Like sandals, crocs, and flannel socks Nigga, the dude go to work, he might make you move off your turf Nigga, if you move, you get murked Take your shoes and your shirt Little bars might shoot through your shirt Nigga, pew, pew, pew like a church Nigga, you could get hurt Nigga, might put you in the dirt With some shoes and a suit and a hearse I'ma do you the worst Fuck around, put a dude in the urn Fuck having your Funeral first, niggas gotta get verses and hoods prepared. When I spit, they be shook and scared. When I flash, they gon' ask me like, Lil, why you took it there? I rip shit on wax like it was pussy hair. I'ma spaz on this shit, straight snap on this shit. Every track is a hit, straight smacking you niggas, subtracting you niggas. That's fact, never fiction. Doing numbers like I was a mathematician. I beat the beat, the beat get bruised. I ain't never gotta get shit pre-approved. You can see I got these rappers on their P's and Q's. Nigga, I'm top three, but I'm not three or two. Feast on beats, they're telling me to eat my food. You can see I got the speakers booming. These niggas and they gon' get on a beat and defeat me, do it. I'ma beat you to it. And make a beat to do it You will never find another nigga better than me I said that already Shit is hella repetitive See the beats I eat Be so fucking decadent beat. You niggas faker than American cheese Motherfucker I swear I get a lot of stairs When I step on the beat I do this shit with so much pleasure and ease I got a devilish beat You know music is forever with me Cause I ain't stopping till I'm sitting Where the veterans be I don't wanna be the one To brush a bubble of dude And I don't wanna cause trouble to dude I know you probably think
think you cold, probably think nobody fucking with you But really don't nobody fucking with you, you really suck on the cool Coming at me, you don't come to your dude, my kill shit, you don't come to your tune My nigga, your shit trash, and you know nobody bumping the fool Nobody wanna hear the hella blue. man, get the fuck out the room <laughs> I think I gotta let it breathe, ho, they come to me cause I give them what they need, ho And I'ma always be tight, be right, be right, left down, right up, left down, got the cheat code Bipolar cause I'm nice with a mean flow, always fucking the beat High libido, screaming fuck you like CeeLo Nigga the way San Bernardino beat be like San Bernardino Fine